When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're going to jump into this debate. Jake is going first for his 13-minute opening statement. Thanks so much, Jake, for being with us. The floor is all yours. Welcome, everyone. I just want to start off by thanking Modern Day Debate and James for hosting this debate. And I want to thank Arne for participating today. I also want to mention that I am here on behalf of Muslim Debate Initiative, which is an organization that I'm representing. For the purposes of this debate, I want to point out, which as James already mentioned, the title of the debate is, is the evidence for or against God? For the purpose of this debate, I take evidence for a hypothesis to be that which raises the probability of a given theory to be true. I take evidence against a hypothesis to be that which lowers the probability of a given theory to be true. On my debate opponent, in a video entitled, Theism is Not Rational States, and I quote, what everyone means by God is a conscious thinking mind, close quote. I'm happy to accept this definition for the purposes of this debate, so long as we understand that what I mean by God is an eternal agent, i.e. a being, that performs actions, is the creator of all, and is the foundation of all knowledge and truth. Now, I spoke to Arn on the Thought Adventure podcast channel previously about whether or not something necessary exists. During the discussion, Arn stated, and I quote, I don't think it's possible for there to be absolutely nothing. That impossibility would make the existence of something absolutely necessary, close quote. It suffices to say that Arn does not have an issue with the concept of necessity. I will now provide an argument for what this necessity must be. This argument is actually partially inspired by Arn himself. In a video on Arn's YouTube channel entitled The Reason for Reason, he says, and I quote, In my perspective, accuracy and accountability are paramount. Truth matters more than whatever we would rather believe, close quote. So as we can see in this quote, Arn says that the truth matters more than whatever we believe. Let's see if he's going to stand by that today or if he will abandon the truth for his own unjustified beliefs. I will now present the following argument for the existence of God. It is an argument from necessary truth. First, I will run through the premises of the argument until I reach the conclusion. Next, I will circle back around and give reasons for affirming two of the premises that are important in the argument. Okay, so the argument goes like this. Argument from necessary truth. Premise one. Necessarily, either the law of non-contradiction is true or the law of non-contradiction is not true. 
I don't see any reason why Arn or anyone else for that matter would attempt to challenge this premise. Either the law of non-contradiction is true or it isn't. There doesn't seem to be another option. Premise two. Premise one is necessarily true, i.e. it is true and could not have failed to be true. Again, I don't see why Arn or anyone else for that matter would want to challenge this premise. Premise one is true and there doesn't seem to be any possibility of it being not true. If Arn would like to challenge either of these first two premises, he's more than welcome to do so. Premise three, true propositions exist. Truth is a property of propositions. This is one of the two premises I'll come back to for further explanation. Therefore, premise four, at least one true proposition exists necessarily. This simply follows from the first three premises. Premise five, propositions are mental entities, i.e. thoughts. This is the second premise that requires further elaboration. I will come back to this in just a moment. Premise six, therefore necessary propositions are necessarily existent thoughts. Again, this simply follows from premises four and five. Premise seven, thoughts cannot exist apart from an intellect. I don't think Arn or would argue against this premise. It seems pretty straightforward that thoughts are within minds or intellects. It is not as if we can have free-floating thoughts apart, existing apart from minds. Conclusion, therefore, a necessary intellect exists. We finally arrive at the conclusion, a necessary intellect exists. This simply follows from what I've mentioned in the previous premises. This coinc also coincides with the definition of God from Arn that I cited earlier. All I mean by a necessary intellect is a being that must exist and is capable of grounding truth and knowledge. Apart from premises three and five, I take the rest to be uncontroversial. I will now provide reasons for affirming both of these premises. Let's start with premise three, true propositions exist. First, let me define what a proposition is. According to the Stanford Encyclopedia Philosophy entry on propositions, propositions are shareable objects that are the primary bearers of truth and falsity. In philosophy, there is a distinction that is well known between truth makers and truth bearers. A truth maker is that which makes a proposition true. Let's take the idea that water is wet. The truth maker in this case would be the existence of water and the fact that it has the property of wetness. Now, the truth bearer or the proposition is the thing that exists that we ascribe a truth value to. We say that that thing is true. So, now that we have an idea of what propositions are, what are some reasons to think that they exist? Well, one reason to think that propositions exist is that ordinary language supports this notion. For example, I believe that this debate is in Houston, Texas. Presumably, Arn believes the same thing. That same thing is the shared content between our beliefs. That is the proposition, which in this case happens to be true. Another reason for thinking that propositions exist is the notion that truths exist that have not yet been discovered. Arn himself affirms this in many places. One example of this is when he says, and I quote, Once upon a time, our ancestors believed that thunder, lightning, and volcanoes were the results of God, result of God's actions, that the stars and planets had human attributes, that sickness was a curse of witchcraft and epilepsy was demonic possession. In each case, the real truth might never have been discovered if we'd been satisfied by those lies. Close quote. So, Truth seems to be something that we can seek for. People don't typically seek for things that they know do not exist. 
Arn speaks of the real truth being something which is discovered as if it already exists and is waiting to be realized by humans. All of this points to the reality of propositions. Another reason for thinking that propositions exist is because we ascribe properties to them. For example, we ascribe the properties of truth and falsity to them. For any object that we ascribe properties to in some possible world, including this actual world, it must exist. Arn unknowingly himself affirms the well-known truth-maker, truth-bearer distinction that I explained earlier. Arn states, and I quote, Reality itself is not truth, but statements about reality can be if they're true. So, if we have to determine whether it is true before we call it truth, then the truth is whatever statement can be shown to be true, and that's simple enough. Close quote. We see that Arn clearly distinguishes, distinguishes between that which makes something true and truth itself. He ascribes truth to statements about reality. However, there are good reasons to think that statements or sentences are not the primary bearers of truth. Why is that? Well, you can have multiple sentences in different languages that assert the same truth. You can also have distinct sentences in the same language that express the same truth. This shows that there is something more fundamental that is shared amongst the distinct sentences. The content between sentences is what is shared. There are other reasons why one should think that propositions exist, but that should suffice for now. Now that I've given good reasons to think that propositions exist, let's take a deeper look into the nature of propositions. If propositions exist, then what exactly are they? My claim is that propositions are best understood as mental entities or thoughts. One reason to think this is because propositions have a unique characteristic known as intentionality. Intentionality is a technical philosophical term that refers to aboutness or being directed towards something. For example, the sentence, this debate is in Houston, Texas, is about something, namely the city of Houston and this debate. The same is true of our beliefs. Our, our beliefs are about certain things. This directedness towards other things is a distinct feature of intentionality. Atheist and naturalist philosopher Alex Rosenberg expresses the difficulty of explaining how our thoughts, if they are purely physical, could be about anything at all. He states, and I quote, What we need is a clump of matter, in this case the Paris neurons, that by their very arrangement of its synapses, points at, indicates, singles out, picks out, identifies, and here we just start piling up more and more synonyms for being about another clump of matter outside the brain. But there is no such physical stuff, he says. Physics has ruled out the existence of clumps of matter of the required sort. There are just fermions and bosons and combinations of them. None of that stuff is just all by itself about any other stuff. There is nothing in the whole universe, including, of course, all the neurons in your brain, that just by its nature or composition can do this job of being about some other clump of matter, close quote. Rosenberg, in defense of his naturalism, actually denies that humans think about anything. Arn can take the same position if he wishes, but that would render this entire debate futile. If Arn cannot think about anything, then he certainly cannot think about providing evidence against the existence of God. 
Another important aspect of intentionality is what is called aspectual shape. This refers to the way in which an entity is understood. For example, take the sentences, Jake Brancatella debates atheists, and the Muslim metaphysician debates atheists. These two sentences point towards the same man, namely me, but in different ways. This is why someone may believe one of these sentences to be true, but not the other, even though Jake Brancatella and the Muslim metaphysician are co-referring terms. As we can see, propositions are intentional. Mental entities such as thoughts and beliefs exhibit this unique feature of intentionality. Our thoughts and beliefs are about things in distinct ways. Entities that are purely physical and lack mentality, such as cars, tables, and chairs, are not intrinsically about anything at all. Since propositions are intrinsically intentional, and so are mental entities such as thoughts, they are the perfect candidates to be propositions. Unless we have some independent reasons to think otherwise, we should regard propositions as mental entities. Now, if propositions are best understood as mental entities that can be true or false, and at least one necessary truth exists, then a necessary intellect must exist. This is because thoughts cannot be had apart from minds. And since all humans are contingent, this means that humans, as well as their human thoughts, are not going to qualify as necessary propositions. We need something which is necessary itself. We need a necessary mind that could not fail to exist, to account for the existence of necessary truths. I think that Arn should accept one more uncomfortable truth, i.e. the existence of a necessary intellect that is the creator of all. It may be hard for him to accept, but in the words of Arn himself, and I quote, truth matters more than whatever we would rather believe. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to Arn's rebuttal and the rest of this debate. Thank you very much. We'll kick it over to Arn for his 13-minute opening statement as well. Arn, the floor is all yours. Thank you. Uh, my experience, believers hate nothing more than the burden of proof, and that's why they try to redefine what evidence means so that it is no longer a fact that indicates because they can't give you any facts, not to point their way. So they give arguments instead of evidence, essentially word games trying to define their God into existence with erroneous or fallacious assumptions built into most of them. If you ever look at a list of logical fallacies, you might notice that every one of them has been used as an argument for God. And in my experience, every argument for God involves at least one logical fallacy and usually more than one. And, uh, as I'm sure we will both demonstrate in our upcoming discussion, at which time I will claim that as one of many facts and evidence in my case against God. Of course, the fact that the first fact in evidence against God is that there is no evidence for God. We have to start there because logically, having no reason to believe something is a pretty good reason not to believe it, especially when such is neither probable nor even possible. We don't get to say that anything is possible because we know too many things that are not. A cow cannot jump over the moon, for example. That's not just improbable, that's physically impossible. In order to say whether something is possible, there must be a precedent or parallel or verified phenomenon indicating that such possibility exists. You don't have that for gods or ghosts or demons or souls or for magical enchantments like blessings or curses. So not only is none of that evident, it's not even a possibility to consider. Believers can't even give a consistent definition of what their God is supposed to be. 
Neuroscientists understand the mind to be an emergent property of the brain. So the notion of a disembodied mind is nonsense, as Jake just pointed out himself. And it's contradicted by scripture as well, because while modern theologians have contrived some lofty exaggerations of what they built their God up to be, let's not forget God's humble beginnings in ancient mythology. The Bible tell us, tells us that God walks, talks, eats, turns his head, waves his hand, shows his backside, and cheats at wrestling. It says that Adam, Abraham, and Moses all spoke to God face to face, and that 70 of the elders of Israel were allowed to look upon God in physical form. But whether God has a body or not, there's no explanation given for how this God even could exist, much less how it does anything. And the sacred fables all say ridiculous things, like how he created the first man with a golem spell, while he created everything else with an incantation, speaking everything out of nothing, abracadabra just like so many pagan gods did, like the Native American god Coyote, who made the mountains and the rivers and who put the salmon into the rivers. There's no explanation for how he made or put anything or how gods do anything. It's all a process of PFM, better known as pure fucking magic. Then there's the fact that it doesn't matter which faith we focus on. No religion can show that they're any more accurate than every other faith. And the same goes for their scriptures, too. The Jewish Torah, the Christian Gospels, the Quran of Islam, the Kitab-e-Akdas of Baha'u'llah, the Avestas of Zarathustra, the Adi Granth of the Sikhs, the Hindu Vedas and the Mahabharata's Bhagavad Gita, the Book of Mormon and the Arantia Book, have all been declared by some devotees to be the absolute truth and the revealed word of the one true God, even when they can't agree on who or what that God is. Everyone knows that every word of all these supposedly sacred tomes was scribbled by scribes, mere fallible men who obviously had no idea what they were talking about, because every supposedly God-breathed doctrine is full of errors. For example, everything the Bible or the Quran says about the earth in relation to the rest of the cosmos is flat-earth cosmology from the Iron Age. So they couldn't have been written or given or dictated by any gods or angels because they would have known better. We have sufficient evidence in science to prove that Adam and Eve are genetically impossible and were not real people. The global population cannot have been derived from a single couple, not 6,000 years ago, nor even 600,000 years ago. We descend from a particular population of apes, numbering several thousand strong at least, who set out on the road to our lineage at least a few million years ago. To be clear, this is a matter of objectively demonstrable scientific fact, not assumptions. Physical anthropologists and paleoprimatologists can show how humans and chimpanzees share a common ancestry is an objectively verifiable fact in the absolute sense that it doesn't change, meaning that it will not be corrected by new information. It's not just a probability, it's a certainty. Cultural anthropologists can also show how we know that the tale of the Garden of Eden is nothing more than a fable composed of several tropes and characters showing the apparent influence of elder religions in neighboring regions. It's only its only possible truth depends on metaphorical interpretations. There is absolutely no truth of any part of that story otherwise. Archaeologists assure us that the same goes for the Tower of Babel and even the Exodus. Historians agree that Moses never existed. He was a legendary character, but he wasn't real. Then paleontologists, geologists, geneticists, and practically any other earth and life scientist can disprove the global flood of Noah's Ark. The Bible and the Quran both imply that this was a global event, flooding the whole world and that everyone alive today is a descendant of Noah. But we have literally tons of rock-solid proof from many independent fields of study that it's just a story. 
it never happened. Not the way it says in anyone's scriptures. It's not just that it couldn't have happened, but even if it could have by some flurry of miracles, we still have an overwhelming preponderance of evidence to prove that it didn't happen. So the Bible and the Quran are both wrong, not just about that, but practically everything else of importance too. It's not just that all the scriptures are laughably wrong about practically everything, scientifically and historically, ethically and morally. It's that outside of these assorted doctrines, we see that the, the fact that belief in any God doesn't have any apparent impact on the person's morality. Instead, and even worse, there are criminal studies showing that the more religious one is, the more likely they are to be bigoted, intolerant, and abusive, favoring violent vengeance over rehabilitation or restitution. Comparative amount analysis of child molesters even decades ago showed that statistically, the more religious an abuser is, the more abusive they were with more and younger victims. Whereas programs like the Clergy Project reveal that when people stop believing, they become more tolerant, more curious, liberal, less bigoted, and judgmental. And why are so many people leaving religion? Because of the fact that all the world's religions combined can't even show that there's a there there, that there is anything supernatural at all. There's no discernible, verifiable truth to any supernatural claims, just subjective impressions and baseless assumptions. Any claim of facts in evidence of the divine or of anything supernatural always turn out to be nothing but frauds, falsehoods, and fallacies, which ought to matter to you if the truth matters to you at all if you want to understand knowledge as distinguished from make-believe. Yet all the major religions require faith instead, where you're supposed to believe whatever they said simply because they said so. I think all of us would agree that faith healers and self-described exorcists are famously fraudulent, yet we ignore that uh, Jesus was running the same game as they are, just another superstitious cult leader. The people who have dedicated decades of their lives to the study of near-death experiences have lost faith even in that coming away admitting that there's still no substance to it after all this time, over half a century, and there's still very few cases without a clear explanation. That's not what they predicted 50 years ago. And the failure there, according to all of the neuroscientists, neurophilosophers, and brain surgeons I've spoke to, is the fact that there's no support for mind-body dualism, neither in neuroscience nor even in philosophy. It's not just that there's no evidence right where it should be, right where it would be if we had an animating immortal spirit, it's that we have so much evidence against it to confidently conclude that we don't have souls. Without an immortal supernatural soul, there can't be an afterlife, thus no heaven or hell, and without them, the notion of a god is largely moot. This doesn't make a lot of, a lot of difference in Islam, since the Quran talks about a physical heaven, where our bodies will be reanimated such that we will still require food, even in hell where roughly 80% of the world would spend eternity if Islam was correct. Unfortunately, Islam is not correct. There is no hell, and God doesn't operate an invisible hotel in the expanse of the non-existent firmament either. Regardless what God or religion it is, hell is inconsistent with God. If there was a God, there still wouldn't be a hell, because no God would allow it. If we are to believe what the scriptures say about God being infinitely merciful and just, those two are already in contradiction with each other, and both contradict the description of God as a righteous judge, having wisdom or love or any of that, which contradicts everything required to torture everyone mercilessly, relentlessly, forever and ever over a thought crime. The Quran repeatedly says that simply believing equals doing good and that not believing equals doing evil. So Islam is just like Christianity in that we are not judged on morality, but on gullibility, 
because we are judged and damned forever over what or whether we believed. Hell would still be grossly unjust, even if we knew God existed. But as you've seen here today, we have not given evidence to compel belief. So hell becomes exponentially worse. No God would want or allow something so petty and vindictive. And such is obviously just an excuse that theologians made up so that those who didn't believe in the impossible promise of a posthumous reward might believe in the threat of a fate worse than death if they don't believe. For the purpose, of course, being the manipulation of the masses toward the ultimate goal of enriching and empowering the clergy. This is only circumstantial evidence against God, but it's worth mentioning. This is especially bad in Islam, because the Quran says a few times that God decides who will believe and who won't. So we don't even have free will. Instead, we submit to God's will, as if we we're just his playthings, and he's going to punish us for whatever he forced us to do. Thus, belief in God is inconsistent with both free will and objective morality, which is a contradiction of two of the most popular reasons believers cite for why they believe and why we should believe. And note that their most popular reasons for believing have nothing to do with evidence. Again, as always, belief is assumed in lieu of evidence and maintained despite all evidence to the contrary. Evidence is a body of facts, objectively verifiable data, indicating one conclusion or eliminating another. If the truth is what the facts are, then there is no significant or spiritual truth in any religious doctrine, but there are a hell of a lot of lies in all of them. Thus, we have nothing at all to imply that there even could be a God, but ample evidence everywhere to show that God is a fantasy, phantasm, nothing more than wishful thinking. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, Oren. We'll kick it into the rebuttal section. Jake? Got the timer set for you, and the floor is all yours for six minutes. Okay, so what we just saw from Aaron was a whole lot of nothing, uh, not much evidence or even arguments in his own terminology against the existence of God. Instead, we got a whole bunch of uh, how scriptures are flawed, which is irrelevant actually to the debate because we're not debating scripture here today. We are debating whether or not there is evidence for or against God. Disproving scripture or disproving that human beings have souls or whatever else was presented is very interesting and maybe could be another subject of a debate some other time, but has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not God exists. So I've made note of a bunch of things that Aaron said, and I'll try to get through at least some of them. If not, we'll go through them hopefully during the um, open discussion section. So, I mean, he says there's no evidence for God. I think that I've presented some, right? I presented an argument, and he doesn't think that arguments are actually evidence. Well, when presenting an argument, you're supposed to give evidence for the premises in the argument. Right. So to say that arguments are opposed to evidence as if they're two entirely different things just gets the whole equation wrong about what arguments are supposed to be. Arguments are supposed to have premises and we're supposed to have evidence in support of those premises. Most of my premises in my argument, I think, to be pretty straightforward and I don't think anybody would deny and the two that are somewhat controversial, which I think the argument hinges on, I did provide evidence for them. Now, um, it, it's interesting, Arn, you know, is not very much into philosophy, and this is by his own admission, so I'm not like taking a shot at him at all. 
But he made a philosophical claim, actually several, but one that I noted was he said there must be prior precedents to say that something is possible. Well, what's the claim for that? I mean, what's the evidence for that? That's just a philosophical assertion that there must be prior precedents to say that something is possible. Where are you getting this idea or theory of modality from that we must have a prior example of something to determine whether or not something else is possible? That's a philosophical claim. That's not a scientific claim. Um, he, he made this, this big to-do about uh, magic and many uh, attacks on the Quran and various scriptures like the Bible and whatever other scriptures he mentioned. But as I mentioned earlier, any claims made against the Quran, whether it be about the existence of Adam or uh, claims about evolution and his understanding of the Quran rejecting that, those are all interesting topics, but they're not the subject of this debate. Even if evolution were true, it doesn't disprove God. It wouldn't disprove God whatsoever. So, I mean, it's interesting. He notes all of these things, which are arguments and evidence in support of some other thesis, but they're not arguments and evidence in support of the thesis that God does not exist. Um, he made, you know, this these comments about religion entailing violence and abuse and criminality and, you know, hatred towards others and all this kind of stuff. You're not actually liberal. But Aaron has made a living of claiming that religious people and people of faith are the mis most dishonest people, right, that is in existence. So it's, it's really interesting to me because from his side, there's a whole lot of hostility, right, and this so-called liberal care bear loving attitude, I don't see it exhibited in Aaron and his likes. Um, he made a lot of comments about truth. I don't know how much of that you guys caught. He said truth or whatever the facts are. He said if the truth matters at all, blah, 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 blah. And in preparation for this debate, I actually took the time out to listen to hours worth of Arn Ra's material. Um, and he's a guy who constantly brings up the truth. He cares so much about the truth. But he never actually clearly tells us what the truth is, and that's why I provided an argument from the very concept of necessary truth to the existence of God. And I hope that we'll get some engagement from that in his rebuttal time. I know that he didn't have time to because that was his opening statement, but I really look forward to that because there's so much I think, you know, maybe he doesn't want to accept it, but... Uh, that he has to say about truth that I would actually agree with. I just think that that entails other things and that he's not willing to accept that I, of course, am. Um, he said there's no support for mind-body mind dualism. Again, totally irrelevant because as a Muslim, you don't have to be a mind-body dualist, right? So it has nothing even disproving Islam, let alone disproving that a god or a creator exists. Um Let's see. He he also made a, another claim, another false claim about Islam that we are judged based on what we believe. Yeah, partially. We're partially judged on what we believe. 
But it's not as if you can just believe in God and believe in the existence of the Prophet Muhammad and that the Quran is the last and final revelation. And then you can just go out and do whatever you want and God doesn't care and there's going to be no consequence in this life or the next. That's certainly not the Islamic position. It may be a version of Christianity, but it's certainly not Islam. I think my time is up. Thank you very much. We'll kick it to Aaron for six minutes as well. I provided a list of facts and evidence against God, which was precisely the point of the debate today. Uh, faith asserts baseless speculation as if it was a matter of fact, but science doesn't prove things like Jake says it does. Instead, it adheres to what is supported and what is not, and whatever is not supported doesn't warrant serious consideration. Jake failed to list a single fact that indicates one position or eliminates another. Oh, so I provided evidence, and he did not. We can't say that something is true until or unless we can show the truth of it to know whether something is true, as we honestly should, before we assert that it is. So when it comes to how do we know whether something is possible, we have to have some way to know that it is possible. And my analysis shows that in every case where we can say that something is possible, it's not because we just resign that anything is possible. No, we have a precedent that established that it's possible. Or we have a parallel situation which implies that a similar thing could happen in this case. Or we have a verified phenomenon which is as yet unexplained, but nonetheless gives the indication that, yeah, this must be possible because there it is. So that's where I came up with the precedent and parallel and verified phenomenon indicating that such possibility exists. And uh, as far as the, the other argument when I was on his show with him, when he told me that he's looking for a necessary being, and he confirmed for me that being didn't have to mean being as I understood it, that a being doesn't have to be an entity, that it can just be an inanimate object, I could see where he was going with this and the weakness of the game he was playing. And I wanted to play along as much as I possibly could, because for me, if I if if we if we don't have anything coming from nothing, or if everything isn't coming from nothing, then obviously if we have something, if we have a universe with something in it, there must have been something to start with. So, as according to the first law of thermodynamics, material energy, right? So matter cannot be created or destroyed. I knew what he was going to do with this, so I suggested that the necessary being would be dead unconscious material, knowing that he would crow victory, that dead unconscious material counts as his living immaterial consciousness, that it doesn't bother him, that he's going to completely contradict himself. My problem in not being able to get to the punchline on this was that they began to, they wanted me to speak authoritatively about a subject I don't even study, which was cosmogony, in which case I said, like, it doesn't matter what my uneducated opinion is. So I have to defer to the experts. I had recently, uh, I recently had an interview with Sean Carroll. Sean Carroll, in that interview, said that there could just have easily been nothing as something. And it was like, oh, well, if you want an authoritative statement, that's not going to come from me. That's going to have to come from Sean Carroll. And then they argued this. I thought this was funny when they said, "Well, it doesn't matter what what the experts say. What do you believe?" I'm I only have an uneducated opinion, so it literally doesn't matter what I believe. We're talking about objective truth here, not subjective beliefs. Are you able to speak closer to the mic? If you put the mic right in front of you, we're having trouble. Sure, no worries. So, I'm the one presented evidence. That was the purpose of the debate. I'm the only one that presented facts and evidence. He got nothing. Thank you very much. We'll go on to the
next section. This is the 60 minute open discussion. Got it. Okay, so I have a question for Arm because you know you're saying I didn't present any facts or evidence. Um, what do you make of my argument that I presented? Can you explain what my argument was and what you take issue with? No, I can't explain what your argument was. was. I just predicted that you were going to use a word game to try to define your God into being because that's all you ever do. You've never presented evidence in any of your presentations. You think that arguments are evidence just like every apologist does because they don't have any evidence to point to. So you have to come up with a word game wherein dead unconscious material becomes your living immaterial consciousness. So it's anti-logic. Yeah, so you're trying to convince me and everybody else here that's watching both here yep. and live that I didn't present any arguments or evidence. Well, I don't need to convince them. They can just play it back. But yet, but yet you yourself are admitting that you cannot even render my argument. You have no idea what I even presented. So it's as if you weren't listening. You came here with the assumption in the debate, whether you're correct or not, but we wouldn't know it because you can't recall what I even said. In the previous argument, all I can do is, is understand that this is where you're going, that you think that if I believe subjectively, if I personally, without any education in the field, if I believe that there must have been something, that somehow disproves God. That's not a valid argument. And that's, that, that's all you do. So I've, I've come to expect that, I, that you're not going to bring anything. So I will bring facts that you won't be able to dispute, and these are going to matter. This is where science looks at what is supported. Okay, here, here's the, the support that I've given. There's no possibility of God. There's no indication of God. And all we have is a bunch of facts and evidence to indicate that there is not a God, that God is a fictional character, that God is largely exaggerated, whatever. And this is why religious apologists like yourself have to come up with these contrived arguments to try to play a word game to define your God into existence without evidence. Okay. okay, well, since you, you can't random my argument, right? Uh, I, I listened to when you went over it again. I'm like, what is he talking okay, about? So maybe we can go through it step by step. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to have nothing to talk about other than you asserting that. I think we've got plenty to talk about. I, I didn't present anything, and I never present anything. Well, I'm claiming that I did present something. I know. That's, that is so your claim. You also claimed the, oh, you owned me? By walking into what I'm thinking, you were trying to set a word game trap for me, and I'm trying to reset it for you, but then it, neither way, it wouldn't have worked either way. If I believed that nothing was necessary, or if I believed that something was necessary, either way, it doesn't matter which option of that I take, it still doesn't establish a God. And I can't believe that you, that you actually think that it would. It bewilders me. Your, your, your necessary you're, you're being that you will accept literally dirt? You're going back to a previous discussion and you're trying to rehash the whole thing. I mean, I'm happy to have that discussion. I mean, maybe we can have after the debate. I'm okay. happy to have. But it's not all that relevant for today. All right, today. so do you, have, do you have a fact in evidence, something that indicates okay, one position so, or eliminates another? So here's my point. Yeah, yeah. And Objectively actually, verifiable data. Now. And actually, we did, if you listen to my presentation, we actually agreed on what evidence is, right? So, so we're, we're agreeing it on something. Like, let's try to get some common ground. I agree with you on that. Now, I attempted to present 
certain facts which are then gave evidence for those claims. Now, I'm happy to go through the premises one by one, right? But I don't know how much of it you even understood because you're claiming that I didn't basically didn't say anything at all. Well, help me out here. Where was the objectively verifiable data that, that positively indicates one available position over any other? It wasn't just a, a, a logical quandary, but, but, but an actual objectively verifiable data. It's, it's not a logical quandary because I, even in my premises, I gave statements from you regarding what you said about truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've made so many presentations about truth. Some of them I found very interesting and, and helpful, right? So I'm actually using an argument from necessary truth to prove that a necessary mind exists, yes. not some inanimate object or dirt or whatever else you're talking about. So, so let's get to truth because you want to talk so much about truth and you're a truth seeker and, and faith is against truth and religious Correct. people hate truth. So let's try to figure out what truth is, right? And then see what that entails. The truth is what the facts are. The truth is what the facts are. Okay, so what do you so, got? So I, I quoted you. This, this is a direct quote from you, and maybe you don't agree with it anymore. I don't know. But this was what you said. You said, um, let me see here, because I don't want to misquote you. On the other hand, I'm actually trying to listen to what you have to say. Um, sorry, am I talking to you? No, no, it's not you. You're good. Okay, on. So you said, and I thought this was a clear statement. That's why I included it in my presentation. You said reality itself is not truth, but statements about reality can be if they're true. Right. I agree with that. Okay, so, that's what you're saying. So, so this microphone, right? This, this microphone is not truth. But if I make a statement about the microphone, which is true, then that statement is true, correct? So, okay, so we're in agreement. Now, my claim is that that means that you think that sentences are what have the property of truth. Is that your position? When you make a statement, and you, you have to be able to show that it is correct, so you can't just make a statement and then tell me that you, well, it's true until you prove it wrong, because I've heard that plenty. So I happened across a brilliant quote by Abraham Lincoln that I absolutely loved. He said, it's an established maxim in morals that he who makes an assertion without knowing whether it is true or false is guilty of falsehood. And the accidental truth of the assertion does not justify or excuse him, which means you can't say something is true until you can show that it is true. You can, you're welcome to say that you believe something, but you can't state it as a fact because the moment you start claiming facts that are not facts and pretending to know things you don't know, which is what faith is all about, then that's called lying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So, but, but we're, we're in agreement here that there's, there's a distinction in, in philosophy, right? The, the distinction you made is between a truth maker and a truth bearer. When you say, if we can't show that something is true, that's the thing that makes it true. In this case, right, if I say that this black microphone is on the table, what makes it true, the truth maker or the fact of the matter in your terminology, is that the microphone actually exists. It's objectively verifiable data. Correct. Right. So this is this is a what we call the truth maker. So we're agreeing things that exist in reality are the truth makers. They're the things that make something true. The truth bearer is the thing that we refer to is the truth. We don't say the microphone is true. We say, as you said, 
the statement about the microphone being on the table is true. Okay, so what I'm saying is your claim is that sentences, this is the entailment of what you're saying, and if you think I'm misrepresenting you, you can correct me. But as far as I understand you, you're saying that existent things, right, as you're saying empirical, verifiable data, facts, okay, the, that's what I'm saying is the truth maker, the things that make what is true, right? We don't just come up with things on our own out of nowhere. I can't just tell you there's an elephant in the room if there's no elephant in the room, right? So the fact that this microphone is on the table, that's what makes it true. But when I make that statement about the microphone, that's the truth bearer, the sentence in, in, in terms of how you're describing it, it is what has the property of true or false. The microphone doesn't have a property of true or false. In this case, the sentence about the microphone does. Right. Is it a true statement? Well, in this case, I mean, I hope so, you would agree. Yeah, it's, the, the, the fact true that the microphone's on the table, right? Yeah, and we, in, in one sense, we could say that truths exist that are as yet undiscovered. But I mean, the fact that your microphone sits on the desk is not a truth in itself. It's only the statement you make about it, whether we can show that it's true or not. Yeah. Can we show that it's true? Yes, we can. Okay, so in this files. case, there we, go. we can show that it's true. And when I say, when I utter the statement here to you, the mic, this black microphone is on the table, is that statement true? You would say it's true, correct? Yes, objectively verifiable. You would say it's true because we can verify it. But what I'm trying to get to is you're saying that the sentence, when Jake utters the sentence, the microphone is on the table, that the sentence itself has the property of truth, meaning the sentence is what is true or false, and the microphone is what determines whether or not it's true or false, okay? But I gave an argument, which maybe you didn't catch, so I'm happy to present it again, but my argument was that sentences, you're, you're kind of going in my direction, but you're not there yet. Sentences cannot be the primary bearers of truth. Why? I believe that sentences can be true or false, but so can beliefs. Sentences and beliefs have things in common, which is propositional content. It's the content of the sentence or the belief. I can say that the microphone is black and is on the table, and I can write that same sentence down on a piece of paper. Now, if I write that same sentence in English down on a piece of paper and I utter it, if I speak it, how many truths are being expressed? One or many? I would have to evaluate it. And we were talking about whether you're making a factual statement, whether you're, if you say that you believe something, you're welcome to say whatever the hell if you want it. But the moment you express it as a fact, now the burden of proof is on Yeah, but I'm trying you. to use a simple fact that we would agree with for the sake of the discussion. I'm saying, and I'm... As long as I can verify, as long as I can verify... The microphone is on the table. Okay. As this long, is true. As long as I can verify that what you've said is true, then I have no contest. Okay. Right. So in this case, the microphone is on the table. This is true. When I say that, and if I were to now type it on my computer or write it down on a piece of paper and hold up the paper and say it out loud, how many truths are being expressed? One or more than one? Probably more than one. More than one. So if I so if I write on a piece of paper, the microphone is black and on the table, and I speak it out, I'm speaking multiple truths? If we can verify it, yeah, the color of the plate, the position of the thing, the fact that it exists, no, a number of other things. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying take the same sentence, mm -hmm. okay? I say the black microphone is on the table. Then I write that same sentence out in English on a piece of paper. 
that sentence matches verbatim what I'm saying. In the case of the sentence that is written on the table and what I said, how many truths are being expressed? There's only one truth being expressed. It's the same sentence. One is verbal, one is being spoken. The color, the, how the definition of the item, what it is, where it is, all of that. There's a number of different things you said that are verifiably true. Beliefs can be true too. Yeah. It can be. But you don't you can't declare something that you don't know to be true. You can't say that it's true if you don't know that it is. I, but I, all the time I hear people say, Well, I know for a fact there's a God, except you don't know that, and it's not a fact. If it was a fact, it'd be objectively verifiable data. We'd both be able to show that. So one of the challenges that I made earlier this year was when people tell me all the time that they present evidence and I ignore it, well, okay, well then let's show me something, show me objectively verifiable data. Show, show me something that we can both confirm is actually true, that is, that is also indicative of your position. Right? And I, okay, well, tr why yeah, don't so, you so, go ahead and be the very first person in my 25 years or so okay. to present something that's verifiably, we can both show is verifiably true and positively indicative of your situation. Go yeah, ahead. so I'm trying to do that with the example of the microphone. I'm using a mundane example, okay. which we both agree. We're not going to sit here and debate, oh, Jake, no, it's actually white, you're wrong, and no, we're not debating about that, right? It's something very simple. Now, if you want to get technical and say, well, when you say the microphone is on the table, well, you're saying that there's a microphone, that it's black, it's on the table. I don't care about how many truths are within that one sentence. I'm saying to you, when I say that sentence in English and I write it down on paper or I could write it down in Spanish, the same sentence, how many truths are being expressed? Whatever amount of truths being expressed, both when I say it in English and Spanish is going to be the same number. As long as it contains the same, the same number of bits of information that we have already confirmed, yeah, it would be the same. Correct, correct. So my point to you is that when I say something, if I say something in English, or I speak in sign language, or I speak in another language, the same idea, okay, that means the same truth is being expressed, which also means that the sentences themselves are not the primary bearers of truth. They're not the thing which is the primary bearer of truth, because in that case, the truth is singular, is one. And the sentences or expressions of that truth are many. They're not the same thing. I'm a little confused as to why you turned it into to whether the you know, whether you can say that a statement is true, you can show the truth of it, right? There's the truth of it. But it's not, is it the primary bearer of truth, or is it the fact that we can verify it not being the primary bearer of truth? No, because as I said, there's a distinction between what makes something true and the thing that is true which we agreed with. And the You're, thing that makes something true is that we can verify the fact of it. Yeah, it's existence. Right. Yeah. And which what color it is and all of that. We're agreeing on that. Okay. The only difference is, so we're agreeing on what makes something true. The facts okay. of the matter, the existence of the microphone, and whatever it is that we can verify. We're agreeing that that's what makes something true. We're differing on... And, and I'm agreeing with you that a sentence can be true or false. I can say the microphone is black or I can say it's white and that would not be true. So we also agree that sentences and beliefs can be true or false. Yeah. However, what I'm saying is 
because sentences can have multiple expressions which are not identical and yet the same truth is being expressed, that means there's something more fundamental than the sentence itself, which I'm arguing for is a proposition. Okay, so you're making the statement that your microphone exists and what color it is, what position it is, and all of these things are independently verifiable. And so we can now verify its position, its identity, its, uh, its uh, coloration, all of these. These are all different things that we can show to be true. Yes. That doesn't mean that the sentence is the primary bearer of truth. It's the fact that we can verify it that makes it the primary bearer of truth. Is it verifiable? Yeah. Therefore, we're, we're there. Okay, so thank you for proving your microphone exists. Can you go on and do, do that for God? No, because you're, you're skipping back every yeah. time, every time you've already agreed with me. That the sentence is what? Do you believe this microphone is true? Well, it's not. A, it's not a belief. Okay. Is so, this microphone true? The reason I have to make the distinction is because I argue with believers, and I found that over my experience that if I say that I believe something, it means that this is what I think is truest or closest to the truth, but I don't know it because I can't show it. That's what belief means to me. But to people who call themselves believers, it seems that what they mean by that is make-believe. They're going to believe this regardless. They're going to convince themselves. So it's a very different context. I try not to use the word belief for that reason. Okay, we're fine. This microphone is on the table. Correct. Now, I'm saying, is this microphone true? Is the microphone true? Yeah. It doesn't no. make any sense. That's the whole right. thing. So that means you're making a distinction between what whether makes the statement true is true and the statement. Right. Now I'm saying is the you, statement true? The I'm thing itself argument. isn't true. I'm giving an argument okay. that I agree with your position to a certain extent that there's a distinction between the sentence and the thing that exists that makes that sentence true. We agree. But I'm saying there's something more fundamental than the sentence because, and my argument is, one of my arguments is, that you can have multiple sentences either in the same language or different language, or you can have a belief which has the same content as the sentence, and all of those can be true, yet none of them are identical. So what do the beliefs and the sentences on paper and the sentences spoken, what do they have in common which is true? If the statement, whether it's written or spoken, has the same amount of information and it's verifiably accurate in each bit of information, then you don't have, a don't have an issue with it. You can show that it's true. You can show the truth of it. Therefore, the statement is true. Every part of the statement is true. We can verify every part of the statement. Yeah. So what okay. I'm saying, it's the content. The content, or what you're saying is the information, is what matters. Because the sentence... If I say that the microphone is on the table, and I say that in English, and then I repeat it in Spanish, those two sentences are not the same, yet they express the same truth. The same pieces of information as I just said so many times. Correct. So then that means there's something... I'm glad we agree on this. We can continue arguing it for another 25 minutes or so, the part that we agree on. No, because what I'm saying is, are you agreeing with me that there's something more fundamental, which is true... More fundamental than sentences, and I'm saying that's a proposition. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I'm so saying that's where we're different. Okay, I, I don't. I don't see where the difference is. If you make a statement and you're making an assertion and you can't back the assertion, you, you're, you're telling me that you know, as as so many creationists do, they always want to cite a fact. You know that uh, you know dinosaur soft parts prove the Earth is is young. No, it doesn't. Here's all the reasons why. But you, you just assert the fact, and we're supposed to accept it because you say so. 
Okay. No, so in this case, in this case, you're actually giving information for your God, but you're giving information for your microphone that we can both verify is correct. Okay, okay. good. I'm glad you can defend your microphone. Oh, well, that's not what I'm doing, but we'll move on from that point. Let me, let me explain another way to try to get at what I'm trying to say. I used in my first premise of my argument, I said either the law of non-contradiction is true or it's not. Let's, Let's take, take an, an example, example like, like the, the law, law of non-contradiction. Do you believe it's true? Again, I wouldn't say that I believe okay, it. Okay, I'm sorry about the word belief. Yeah. But I, I mean it in a context of... To my understanding, yes. Okay, so the law of non-contradiction is true. Was it true before any sentence existed? Okay. We're only arguing about the truth of the sentence, as I said before. The, the, the existence of the thing is not a truth. It's whether the statement is true that makes it truth. Yeah, yeah, so so are you speaking mean, truth or are you not speaking truth? That's the issue. So if you're saying things that you can't show to be true, then you're not speaking truth. Yes, yeah, so, so now, now I'm asking you about the law of non-contradiction. We both agree it's true. Was it true before either one of us or any human being ever said the law of non-contradiction is true? Was the law of non-contradiction always true? Again, as I told you before, repeatedly, there can be things that are true that we don't yet know. The issue is we cannot say that they're true until we can show that they're true. But they're already true. Until we can show the truth of it, as I said. But they're already true before we say they're true. Yes, but we can't say that they're true until we know that they're true. So we have to have a reason to say, and we have to be able to show the truth of the statement. Does anybody feel like we've just been round and round? You're, you're, you're proving my point. And that was oh, I'm proving my, his point. Okay. Yeah, because that was one of my other arguments when you said... We're in total agreement. He's proving my point. I'm proving his. You said that there are truths, which I quoted you, and you said again here, which I agree with. There are truths that have not been discovered yet. That means that truth exists prior to your sentence. In other words, you can have statements as yet unuttered that may, may well be true. But if you say a thing and you can't show the truth of it, that's a lie. That's technically a lie. So when you, when you say, and that's what all faith is, you know, asserting, you know, asserting empty speculation as if it's a matter of fact, pretending to know things you don't know. Both of those are lies. That's what faith is, but both of those are lies. Yeah. So, so listen, listen, I, I went over the law of non-contradiction. Same thing. We can go through many different examples of truths. You're saying there are truths that are not have been discovered, right? Okay, I agree with you. Where are they? Well, if they're unspoken, if they haven't been stated. So they're, they're not, not true, true until, until they're, spoken? they're spoken? How would we have a sentence be true before it was uttered? Well, that's my point. How are you saying that there are truths that have not been discovered yet? yet. That's, that's implying, implying that, that language implies that there's, that there's a truth there that has not been uttered yet it's waiting to be uttered there's so exists so there are sentences we could say that could be true or that we could show the truth of it and they would be true but we haven't uttered those sentences yet does everybody remember when we went over this like i feel like it's been about three or four times now okay do you consider yourself a truth seeker Yes. What are you seeking? To utter the correct sentence? 
<laughs> is that what you're seeking? Because by, by what, what you're, you're saying, saying, you're saying there's truth, there's, truth, there's something, something out there yeah. that's waiting to be discovered and waiting to be realized. So you are affirming that truth, which you're not really grasping. Truth exists independently of the sentence. The sentence expresses the truth. Once again, the truth is what the facts are, but you can't state what the truth is if you don't know what the facts are. You can't show the truth of it. We're not disagreeing, disagreeing about, about that. that I'm glad. We're, Can we're we get past it? We're, we're disagreeing on whether truth exists independently of sentences. And I'm giving you an argument to show that truth exists independently of sentences. Nonsense. How is it nonsense? You yourself, you said you're a truth seeker. What are you seeking? I'm, I'm, one, one is that I won't say things are true unless I can show that they're true. That's part of being a truth seeker. I don't want to believe anything that isn't evident. What's out there? Whatever it, I will tentatively accept, whatever that can be shown to be true as best as it can be. And the moment that it turns out that my information may not have been as reliable as I thought it was, or that it should have been, or as it was reported to be, or if I foolishly read something off of an Onion article and didn't check it first, and I make a, com you know, a, a comment on that, thinking I've checked my stats, well, I need to correct myself. And the moment that I see that something is not as well supported as I thought it was. You don't have to disprove whatever position I had. As soon as I realized it was, there wasn't good enough reason to believe in it in the first place, I've already stopped believing in it. And of course, what I mean by that is my original statement that I think this is true, but I don't know it's, but I don't know it because I can't show it. So I'm not make-believing like faith does. Okay. So God does not exist. Is that true? Evidently. It's true. God evidently does not exist. Was it always true? Was it always true that God evidently does not exist? Yes. Or was is it evidently true that God never existed, or was there never evidence that God exists? Virtue of someone uttering that sentence. Help. <laughs> I'm some kind of weird-ass twilight zone. How do you not understand that? Because, again... The same thing we've been going over the last 20 minutes. If you make a statement, if you tell me that God exists, and you, and you do, you tell me that God exists, you don't have fact one to back that up. You claim this knowledge you can't verify, so your statement is not true. So your claim that God exists is not evidently true. We need to have the evidence which you refused to present, which was the purpose of this debate. And this is the reason I agreed to it. I would love to see a religious apologist be forced by the de definition of the debate to cough up evidence. I knew you wouldn't even try, but you... But so you, I didn't try. No. So maybe it's that I am trying and you just don't understand what I'm presenting. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Awesome. You, you're clearly presenting evidence. Uh, when there was the fact, I'm clearly by your own admission, and you don't see it. That's the funny part of it. So, all. so where is the objectively verifiable data? We're affirming, sir, the existence of truth that has not been discovered yet. Which and means I'm truth exists independently of your sentence, and you can't grasp that because I've corrected it so many times, and you can't grasp the repeated corrections. The correction. The statement, whether it's true or not, the thing it's the, the 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 item sitting on the desk is not in itself a truth. The statement you might make about that could be true or it could be false. It could be baseless, which is the same thing as false. If you say something's true and you can't show the truth of it, it's baseless. Baseless has the same level of credibility, zero, as a statement that has already been proven wrong. If you can't show the truth of it, it's not true. 
It has to be treated as if it's not. Even if, if, even if you said something and you couldn't show that it's true, what if in reality it really was the case, but you're not able to say it? Then you're in the wrong because what you would call, you would call it a truth, but your statement about it is still false because you can't show it. You're claiming knowledge you don't have, which again is what faith is all about. No, I'm claiming that truth exists independently of my sentence or anybody Which uttering it. contradicts what I've said so many times. No, I, no, I'm not. I'm contradicting that for the nth time. Okay, so you're not truth-seeking. I am absolutely truth-seeking. What are you seeking? Well, one, something's true, not what you're saying. So you can make the statement that the thing is there, and if we can verify that it's there, then you are justified in claiming that it is there. We have And it doesn't have to be absolute. A lot of people say, well, you can't prove absolutely, but no, I don't have to prove absolutely. Is it supported? Is it not? Is there a probability? Do we, do we have 80% likelihood that this is, this is true? Okay, very good. We have sufficient to believe it or to accept it, if you will. But the, but the thing sitting there is not without, without, us, without, without us making a statement about it or knowing about it, the thing does not become a truth in itself. It's only what we say about it. Okay, so is the statement true? Yeah. Do we create truth or do we discover it? Again, when you can form the, 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 the statement about it, then you can determine, what you, can I show the truth of what I'm saying? Is the statement therefore true? true is it therefore right? That it becomes, so you're stating, so you're stater, so you're stating a truth. You have to discover whether it's true or not. But then you make the statement about it, and that becomes whether it's the truth is what the facts are. What is a fact? What is no? What is the what is a fact? Objectively verifiable data. The truth is what the facts are, and is is objectively verifiable data. So when you determine that a thing is objectively verified, here's just the information about it. Now you make the statement: is that the, is that the truth? Yes, it's the truth. The thing existing is not in itself a truth. I've been over this. I don't know what ten times. You keep contradicting me while telling me that I'm that I'm agreeing with you. you know, while telling me that I'm agreeing with you, you're disagreeing with me while telling me I'm agreeing with you. It's the point we agreed on, right? We agreed about evidence. We agreed about Did we? between a statement and the thing existing itself. When there's only one additional claim I'm making. Okay, where was the objectively verifiable data that was positively indicative of your God? Or I'm presenting it right now. That truth exists independently of what you say. Okay, so you're wrong. And you're you're saying that you're a truth creator. I'm you not saying that. Truth. I'm not saying that. We we find it's tr true until Aaron Ross says it. That's what you're saying. Uh, new, and I think I heard you hear by the the uh, laughing in the audience. They've seen through that. That's exactly what you're saying. No, it's exactly not. We discern truth. We, it's just it's like the it's like the laws of nature. Laws of nature not given by a law, a lawgiver. Laws of nature are what? So are you saying that laws of nature are given by a lawgiver? What is the law of nature? I was trying to explain that when you interrupted. It's a property of reality that we have determined as best we can. It's not always accurate because it was two guys in the 19th century that, that both came up with virtually similar or the names were very similar. There was the law of biogenesis or there was the biogenetic law. Very different things with very similar names, and both of them happen to be wrong. But in general, it, it's a, it's a statement about the the, the, uh, the properties yeah. of something, which can be summarized in a single sentence or in a mathematic equation. 
These are what we call laws. I wish they hadn't called them laws because that makes every idiot out there think that there's a lawgiver. But it's just properties that we've discerned and then we've written them out. And if, if we can, you know, we can confirm that it's correct. And by the way, both of these these laws that the other guys had failed by some little detail. They could have been laws. They could have been good laws, but they wrote just a little bit too much so that it wasn't consistent anymore. So it's not that we create truth. We find whatever the truth is, and we phrase it so that it, the okay. sentence is a truth. Did we find the law of non-contradiction? Did we find it? Or was it true before we found it? Again, you can have things that are true that have been yet, haven't yet been discovered or described. It's true before you say it's true. But you, don't, you can't. We're talking about whether you can justify making a statement about it before you know about it. You have to be able to, it becomes truth when the statement is true. No. Yeah, see, this is the thing. You're saying, Green, that it's only true if whatever you're saying is in line with reality. I'm not agreeing with that. Okay. Be a correspondence, but I'm saying it's already true before I say it's true. Right. It, there's the many things that could be true, not truth, but true. You could make a statement about something that might be true, and then you and if you say it before you know that it's true, well, then that's not truth. Yeah, that's that's a falsehood. Trying to say you're saying that truth, right? What is okay? What's the difference between truth and truth? Because you just made a distinction there. What's, what are you distinguishing? We're discerning whether something is true, and we have to have a statement about that, a, a hypothesis, if you will, yeah. that we can then verify whether this is correct according to the way we've described it. And if it is in line with what we've described, then that becomes truth. That is, that is a true thing, and the statement about it is truth if it's true. Wait, so okay. but then here, you say that, so on the one hand, this is where I'm seeing you're, you're contradicting yourself with all due respect, because on the one hand, you're saying that it's not truth until a sentence expresses the truth. But then on the other hand, you're saying you're a truth seeker as if truth already exists and you're, is waiting to be verbalized. Those are contradictory. How do you not see that? The laws of, the, of nature are not spelled out that way until we spell them out that way. But these are still some things that we discern, that we work out, that we determine whether this is true or not. Yeah, I agree. But was, was, it, was it, it true, true before, before you discovered it? There were many things that... They said so many times that could be true that we, have, we don't yet know yet. So... And then we determine what they are, and it's then okay, truths that we don't know about. Maybe right. right. So, so, and I'm saying to you, if all those truths exist before we say them, then our sentences about them are not the primary bearers of truth. So, when you say things that you cannot show to be true, that's a falsehood. Yes. When you say things, what say it again? Cannot show the truth of that you cannot verify. That are, not that, are, that are not necessarily because it could be true. You just can't verify it yet. The accidental truth of the, of the assertion does not justify or excuse him. It's still a falsehood. You said you've claimed knowledge you don't have. If I say something that's true, right? But I can't prove that it's true. No, and thus, you don't know that it's true. You have to have some. Yeah, but way there's a difference between knowing it's true and it being true. Is it? There's knowledge is knowledge is demonstrable. There's been many times that I that I would say that I know that I left my keys hanging up there, but then I find them in the bathroom or whatever and realize, nope, I misremembered. So that's possible. So you know what you can show. Yeah, yeah knowledge, knowledge is different, different than truth. 
Again, justified true belief. Justified true. That means truth, right? So, it's, so there's no difference then. No, there is a difference. Okay, what's the difference? It has to be justified. That's what you're saying all this time. That's what knowledge is. That's what I'm saying. Right. True. So you can't say something is true until you know that it's true. You're no, you can't say it's knowledge until you can justify, meaning until you can show that it's true. Then it's then it becomes knowledge. Yes, exactly. Knowledge, but it could be true before I can. There is a thing, right? There, as I said so many times already, it could be true, and you don't know that it's true, and got no business saying that it's true until you can show the truth of it. Or it can also be true, and you say it's true even though you can't demonstrate it, and you just get it correct. By luck. And which case, if I made an assertion of something that's true, I've claimed a fact that is not a fact, objectively verifiable data, and I'm now claiming to know things I don't know, that's the realm of faith, and it is also false. It's a falsehood. It's false? It's a falsehood so because say, you've asserted something you don't know. You said that it's true. You don't know that it's true. That makes it a false statement. Okay, and even Arne, if it were to happen to turn out to be correct, as it wouldn't like, be true. It wasn't this, true? If you want to guess, if you want to if you want to guess the number of, if you want to guess the number of gumballs in a jar, you may guess correctly. But when you say that I know that this how many, you don't actually know that. You guessed correctly. I'm not saying I know it, but you're still lying about whether you know it. I agree on that part, but I'm saying if I say there's a fly behind that curtain, and I have no idea that there is, and I go and I open it, and what do I know? The fly comes out. So you've made it. And I said it. Did I know it? No, I did not know it. But it was still true. My statement was still true. Except that it's still a falsehood because you're claiming knowledge. How is it falsehood? I was answering the question when you interrupted the answer to ask the question. Because you're making an assertion you don't know to be true. That is claiming to know things you do not know. We call that lying. It wouldn't matter if you guessed correctly. You're still claiming to know things you don't know. No, I'm not you're saying still, I know it. You're still asserting baseless speculation as if it was a matter of fact. And if it turns out that there is a fly there, you've guessed the right number of gumballs or whatever, yeah. you don't, there's, the accidental truth of the, of the assertion does not justify or excuse him. But I'm, I'm not saying, saying I know there's a fly behind the, the curtain. Okay, I'm if you want to tell me that you believe that, I'm, I'm nobody asserting, cares. I'm asserting that there is a fly behind the curtain. Now, if it turns out that when we open it up, there is one there, that was true. That was true, but you were still false. Because you're claiming... I was still false? How is it a falsehood? How many times do I have to explain the same damn thing to you? Because you're, uh, you're claiming your knowledge claim you don't have. No sense the whatsoever. sense that my claim makes is that you're pretending to know things you don't know. I, I never said it I wouldn't. knew it. When did I say I knew it? I'm if you asserting state, there's a fly asserting, behind there. And what is an assertion, sir? You're stating as fact. It's I'm, not no, a belief. I'm saying it's there. I'm not right. saying I know you're, it's there. Right, so you're asserting a fact that is not a I'm fact. not saying I know it's there. Oh, but you, you've asserted that I it is there. I said it's there. there. And asserting that it is there establishes that you, you're now saying that it's a fact that it's there. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying, saying it's there. there. That's I'm not saying that, that I know it's there. there. That's what the assertion is. You're stating as a fact that it is there. That's not the case. It, but that so is every, definitely so the case. So every time you assert something, you're saying that you know it's true? If you say that you believe something, that's fine. You okay, can I believe, it. I believe okay. that there's a fly there. No, nobody cares. It's just a matter of what you, you can, can show. You say nobody cares, but is it true? It doesn't matter. It, uh, it we're only interested. We're only interested in what you can I'm show. I'm making a distinction between truth and knowledge. As I have something to, is not a falsehood just because I don't know that it's actually true. Okay. If it's true, it's true independent if I know it or not. One of the things that I have to explain to people constantly is that it, when they tell me, well, I believe blah, 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 and I'm like, 
I don't care what you believe. It doesn't matter what you believe. All that matters is why you believe it. What is the reason? Is the evidence valid? Is it justified? Does it actually indicate that conclusion? Is there, is there a reason I should believe it or accept it as well? That's what matters, not what you believe. You assert whatever you like when you say that you believe it, I don't care, it doesn't matter. But when you state as fact, there's a fly on the wall and there's no fly on the wall, or even if there is a fly on the wall behind another room and you couldn't have known that, in either case, you've made a false statement, claiming knowledge you don't have. And even if there was a fly on the wall, your knowledge. You just stated a fact that is not a fact. What do you call when you call something a thing that is not the thing? Oh, that, that's a lie. Why do you not get that? Because your faith. That's what it is. Because that's what this has faith, nothing to do with faith. We're talking really? about mundane things. Faith is the assertion of baseless speculation as if it was a matter of fact. That's called that's lying. That's your claim. That's your definition. I don't define faith that way. I know you don't define it that way, but we can demonstrate that it is that I'm showing you that there's a distinction between truth and knowledge. Okay, okay, so, so let's, let's move on, on because we're not going anywhere with that. Clearly. Do you believe that there are any necessary truths? I have to ponder that. As you said, I, I study science. I don't care a lot about philosophy. Why? Because it's spinning wheels in the mud. But you mud care about you have truth, to, right? I do, but I don't like having pointless arguments about the fly on the wall that you imagine is there. And is it a lie if you didn't know that it's a lie? And all well, that. you're claiming it's a lie. It is still a falsehood, as it you're has stated. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, you're claiming knowledge you don't have. That do you believe there I are know any... things I don't know. That's that's a false statement. Are there any necessary truths? I don't even know what a necessary truth is. You don't. Right. So then, how are you responding even to my argument? Like and you're telling you, present I'm not pretending to know things I don't know. I'm honestly telling you when I don't know, which is another thing that that faith faith can't say that I don't know. Faith always pretends to know what it doesn't know, which is what makes it the most dishonest position it is possible to have. You're saying it's dishonest? Yes. So everybody who has faith is dishonest? Faith is the most dishonest position possible to have, yes. Because really? you're, you're, yes, so you, because you are, there's no possibility. You cannot stand in reason that I believe what I'm saying. I'm just totally wrong about it. That's not even possible. No, you can absolutely believe. And remember, we, we said that believe could mean make-believe, because I've talked to a lot of people before, Will, it actually does mean make-believe. No, but you're saying we're dishonest. Why can't you just say Because that, you're oh, asserting wrong, knowledge you don't have. Else. You're asserting baseless speculation as if it's a matter of fact. Well, which for what? Arn, sometimes there are things that you think you know, but then it turns out you're wrong. Does right. that mean that you were a dishonest piece of crap? No, it just means you turned out to be wrong. Yeah, and you so could turn out... You, why can't you grant that when you're having a debate or discussion with people of faith when they say they, that they know something and you think they're totally wrong, uh -huh. but they believe that they know what they're saying right. is actually true, and, and then it turns out maybe it's not true. Then show me the truth of it. Show me how you know that. I'm attempting to do it, but I'm trying to get somewhere with you because you make this statement all the time. You're assuming that your interlocutor is dishonest, and then that spoils the conversation. Claiming knowledge you don't have? I, I believe that you don't believe God exists. I believe that. I don't think you're, you're being you're, dishonest. You're claiming. I just think you're wrong. So right. you're making, you? you're asserting facts that are not in evidence. Okay, so anyone who that's, disagrees, that's dishonest. With you, anyone who disagrees with you, no, right, and is wrong, no, and they claim that there's, they know what you're saying is actually wrong, but they happen to be wrong. They're dishonest. No, that's why do, no. I, did, I said, said or implied nothing remotely like that. And I have to wonder where you're going with this when you distort everything I did say so clearly to, to put it into this claim about faith. You said everybody who has faith is dishonest. I didn't say that. I said faith is the most dishonest position it is possible to have. 
because it is convincing oneself to believe things that are not evidently true. It's asserting baseless speculation as if it's a matter of fact and pretending to know things you don't know. All three of these things are false. They are but dishonest. You're saying, Arm, you're you're saying they're, they're pretending, pretending to know. know. Yeah, but they I know for a fact there's a God. No, you don't. Yes, you're, you, you say that they, they know. Do you believe that I think that there's no God? No. Okay, so I believe. But you will still say. I believe there's a God. But you will still say. I know. I believe I know that there's a God. Right, and, and you, you don't. Tell me I'm too, exactly, that's what the debate is about. So you will. That doesn't mean I'm dishonest when I say that I When you say that you know things you don't know, that's not dishonest? No, because I believe that I know. How? But he. But you don't, because knowledge is demonstrable. Exactly you can't demonstrate that knowledge. But a lie is only when someone has the intention of misleading somebody. Or when you state a fact that you don't know to be true, because it doesn't have. Yeah, but if you believe you know it to be true, then it's not. But a lie. again, if you're making a statement you can't know to be true, you're you just made up your own statistic, right? Well, maybe that statistic, maybe it really was ninety-six percent of statistics are made up on the spot. But when you say that. It's still a falsehood. Even if it happened to be correct, it's still a falsehood. Yeah, it's false, but it's not a lie. If you're claiming to know things you don't know, and there's no way that you could know, you can't demonstrate that knowledge to be true. You got no business saying that it's true. You you still don't even know what truth is. So how I explained it to you over and over again. You still don't know, despite okay, so what, the simplest what fucking is it? thing. You just told me you don't know what a necessary truth is, didn't you? I don't know what a necessary truth is. Oh, now the adjective matters, right? Yeah, it does. So if I know what well, truth is, but I don't okay, know what a necessary truth is. You know what truth means? Yes. You know yes. what necessary means? Put them together. Come on, put them together. Tell it's not that hard. Philosophy often uses definitions I wouldn't use. Okay, so what's so, the necessary truth? You don't I know. have no idea. Okay, so I presented an argument from necessary truth. How in the hell could you even attempt to respond to it when you don't even know what it is? Especially since I've told you that honestly, and you won't even explain yourself. Or, okay, so you admit and, that you are not actually responding to my argument. That's what you admit right now. Right. I'm not responding okay, to it. Uh, yeah, I don't have I don't have the slightest idea where you think you're going with this. Okay, All I know so from we past went over truth. We went over truth for 45 minutes. And you got it wrong the entire time. Okay, I got it wrong and I lied no. to I lied to everybody. When you so when you make statements, when you make statements lies. about who God is and what he is and what he does and what he hates and why, all of those are statements you don't know to be true, but okay, you're asserting so them as fact anyway. Mean? What does the word necessary mean? And how you understand it. Tell me how you understand it. We have multiple definitions of belief. We have multiple definitions of a lot of the different words that but we I'm use. But I'm asking how so you So whenever I argue necessary. with a believer, well, then I have different contexts. Well, well, do you have faith in your wife? You, know, you say you don't have faith, but you have faith in your wife. Well, that's a completely different context. Because trust is not religious faith. So I'm used to the equivocation that constantly happens in religious debates. So I'm wondering what well, the equivocation is here. You, so we don't that's have that why I told you I don't know, and I'm asking for your definition, so you which the, you will not you provide. You don't know the meaning of the English word necessary. Oh, I do. I know. Mul it? I could think of multiple contexts, okay, but that doesn't me. tell me the definition you're using. I can come so up. I, I can show you. A question, you. and you turn around, ask me. A I show. I showed you. We can have multiple definitions and context for okay, any so number let's of words. Go through them. And let's so I need your it. definition. How do you mean let's that? Let's work through it. I just asked you. What can you, you give a definition? What's the matter? What I mean? You're the one using the term. Because in order define for us your to have term. communication, we have you to need to define your terms. We have to be using terms the same. And way. It define it. I define it, or you. It. It meant you're the one using the term. 
Tell me what it means to you. I said I don't know what you mean. It. I presented it. How would I know what you mean? I literally mean? presented it in then my opening statement. Then explain the definition to me. I literally presented it I in literally my opening statement. Wailed on I for a said, while without ever said, defining what this premise means. Premise one is necessarily true, i.e., it is true and could not have failed to be true. Okay. That's what it means to be necessary. It could okay. not fail to be the way it is. Okay. So that's necessary. We already went over truth. Do you believe there are any necessary truths? Maybe there are, but I don't understand the context in which you're using them. Well, I just because, defined it. So okay. now, what do you want me to do? So it ne when necessary means that it has to be, it can't be otherwise. It could not have. In this case, when we're talking about necessary truth, we're talking about truth that could not have failed to be true. Okay. I mean, that's simple enough. I don't see okay. what's the problem. So I'm not, I'm not aware of any necessary truth I could name. You're not. No. So the law of non-contradiction is not a necessary truth. Not according to quantum physics, which is confusing as hell, but yeah, that's true. Well, I just thought you said before that you believed that the law of non-contradiction is true. Generally, yes, but that doesn't apply in quantum, does it? Classical, fine, all day. But I listen to quantum physicists, I'm like, the, the fuck are you saying? So no, they, they don't appear to have this law of non-contradiction applied the same way. So I don't know when we get into you know talking about cosmogony, as you like to do, I don't go there. Because I don't know anything about quantum physics. It's not something I study. Yeah, but I'm just, in this case, okay, so you don't think that you're saying you're agnostic about it? No. Or you're saying it's not a necessary truth? No. I said I can't think of a single example to I know, say but yes. I'm talking about the in order for me to say, in order for me to answer your question, is there a necessary truth? I have to have an example well, that's I'm trying to go that I can. Examples. That, then give me an example. Okay, law of non-contradiction. You don't believe it's a necessary truth. As just explained. Okay, two plus two equals four. As just explained, physicists will say that there could be potential universes where other things would be different. Now, I would accept that numerals and mathematics, they do seem to hold that that must be a consistency. Yeah, like two plus two equals four. You, you would think, but then some physicists say that, that the laws of physics could be different. Well, how could the laws of physics be different in any other sense? Because physics is... It's okay, mathematic, well, let right? Let me read a quote from Arn Ra. How about that? Arn Ra says, okay, and one of them... Now is we're going to hear a true statement. Yeah, we're going to hear a true statement. We're going to hear necessary truths right here. And one of them, referring to religious people, that's my insertion there, confessed that if the Bible said that 2 plus 2 equals 5, so you were telling a story. Yep. You were telling a story about a person who said that if the Bible confessed that 2 plus 2 equals 5, he wouldn't question that, that he would find some way to believe it. And then you went on to say, I have a serious philosophical objection to assertions like this. In my perspective, accuracy and accountability are paramount. Truth matters more than whatever we would rather believe. Yep. Now, when I read that and when I listen to it, I say, wow, I agree yep. with that, Arn, because I have, you know, Trinitarian Christians telling me all the time, well, they believe Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is God, and they're each God, but it's only one God. It's contradictory. It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. and, and then I ask them the same question. Well, if in the Bible it said 2 plus 2 equals 5, would you believe it? And some of them say yes. And then what do I say? Have a nice day, buddy. Bye-bye. Because there's no reason to even talk to such a person. Now, why do I have the same reaction that you would? Because there's an assumption that 2 plus 2 cannot equal 
5, i.e. that 2 plus 2 equaling 4 is a necessary truth. It's true and could not have failed to be true. It doesn't matter if the Bible said it or Aaron Ra proclaimed it or anyone else for that matter. Yeah. So 2 plus 2 equaling 4 seems like a perfect example of a necessary truth. I would have thought so until a mathematician came to me and said, you know what, 2 plus 2 actually can equal 5 depending on higher values of 5. What? And you so, believe that? I don't do higher math. I'm not a mathematician, so it makes no sense to me, but I obviously can't call that a necessary so truth Arne, if the mathematicians we, say so, that it's not true. Okay, so Arne, if we it, Then it becomes the issue of they're going to believe whatever the Bible says simply because the Bible says so. Then that's I another agree. matter. That's not because of some higher lofty math, mathematics that I'll never comprehend. No, but I'm saying you, you making that statement, you're assuming that this person is out of their mind to believe that. Why? No. Because you're assuming that 2 no. plus 2 equals 4. No. Yes, that's no. exactly what it is. Again, you asked if it was a necessary truth. I would have thought so. I would have answered that way. Had a couple, more than one mathematician corrected me on that exact point. So there are extenuating circumstances on a number of things. So I can't think of a single example of a necessary truth. Not one. Not even that one. And on the case of the, you know, he's just going to believe whatever the Bible says. It goes. This yeah. goes back to. Uh, uh, William Jennings Bryan, who was the lawyer for creationism in the Scopes Monkey Trial, 1925, when they when they grilled him on the stand about uh, how how could he believe something so ridiculous as Jonah being swallowed by the whale and living inside the whale for three days, uh, Bryan responded that if the Bible said that Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd believe it. So it doesn't matter logic rationality right out the window. They're going to well, believe. Why would it matter? Because, because I mean, we could say two plus two equals five. So what's the difference? Right. It's not a necessary truth then. Exactly. So it's not a necessary truth that Jonah couldn't swallow the whale. How do we know that? Because exactly. So many... That's the point. So that's what I'm saying. This conversation devolves into well, Jonah. Then, I mean, if two plus two equals five, then Jonah could swallow the whale. What the hell? Why not? Is the whale this big? Is two plus two equal five? <laughs> Because it seems so impossible whale, to you, just like you said, Arn. You said, "Well, is the I'm whale a, a Hebrew word for sardine?" I'm not a mathematician either, right? So okay. I'm I'm sitting in the same position as you. Maybe maybe I'm ignorant. Maybe I'm a buffoon. I think two plus two equals four, but that's what I've been taught all my life. Nobody told me Granted. otherwise. So if somebody comes along and tells me otherwise, then we would need to have two mathematicians up here because I bet you I can find mathematicians saying the opposite, that no, two plus two cannot equal five. And, being and then we what? Me and well, you no, no, need to sit over it's, there it's not that and they, we need to watch them not debate they and say, see what happens. It's not that they say that it can't equal five, but that it can equal five. No, I know that's what you're saying, but I'm saying to you, and do you think that I would be able to, or you, even you yourself, find a mathematician who's just as qualified as the person saying that, who rejects that claim? How would I know? That and that's my whole point to you. You're claiming Thank that you for making my point to me. No, you're claiming that it's ridiculous for someone to believe that two plus two equals five. No, I'm saying it's dishonest to assert knowledge you don't have. To make statements of or make assertions declaring facts that are not facts. Okay, if so you then, don't know that it's a fact, you got no business saying okay, that it's so a fact. Okay, so as soon as the person meets the same guy, the same right. mathematician that told you that two plus two equals five, you can then turn around and jam you and say, well, yeah, Johnny, the mathematician, he told me two plus two could equal five. So if the Bible said it wouldn't be any big deal. The issue was, again, they're believing whatever the Bible says simply because the Bible says so. 
even in cases like this particular guy does not know what the higher mathematicians, the two of them were talking about when they told me this, he's just going to believe whatever the Bible says. So he's thrown, he's rejected reason is the issue there. Yeah, but why has he rejected reason? Because he wants to believe what he wants to believe. It doesn't matter what the truth is. No, but in virtue of what did he reject reason? Because he wants to believe what he wants to believe. Yeah, but because in this example, you're saying 2 plus 2 equaling 5. Yeah, he's, he's finding an example where he thinks that that would be a necessary truth, and he's going to violate that. He thinks that's well, a necessary truth. But you also truth. seem to be assuming that it was, an, and maybe at the time of this statement you were assuming it was at, a necessary truth. At the time truth. of that statement, I thought it was pretty clear. Yeah, so you got, thought the guy was out of his mind. But he, the reason, again, is that he's rejected reason, he's, that he's okay, going to believe whatever now, the Bible says. Okay, but now what I'm saying, now, in hindsight, okay, now he can come forward and say, well, I've got a mathematician that says 2 plus 2 equals 5. So, Arn, you can't use that Again, example anymore. the reason is, because he's going to believe whatever the Bible says regardless, so he has rejected reason. He's just going to go with authority, not with fact. You remember what fact is, objectively verifiable data? You remember what the debate was supposed to be? Yeah. You show how do we evidence. verify 2 plus 2 equals 4? Because you're, you're going by authority Again, by it doesn't have to be absolute. You didn't verify it. Again, it doesn't have to be absolute. Just show me what is supported versus did what is not supported. Did you verify the 2 plus 2 equals the 5? Or did you take it on authority by the mathematician? I can the very verify that, that 2 plus 2 can equal 5. I never said it cannot equal 5. I said that other mathematicians have explained that from their, from their expertise that it could... So you're taking it on authority? No. Yes, you are. I'm, not, you question, I'm not questioning expertise. Proved. I'm not pretending to know more than the experts, which is another issue of faith, by the way. Pretending to know more than the experts. You're, you're claiming that this person who says that 2 plus 2 can equal to 5, you did not verify that other than asking him, who's a claimed expert, and him telling you. Yeah, so you have not actually verified it. No, I have Other than him saying it. Yeah, I have So you could have asked three more mathematicians. They could have said, well, that guy that told you, I'm sorry. If I, if I cared, if, it was, it, it, unfortunately, it was two different ones independently who came to me at different times. So I had to, I had to think, okay, well, now, now there seems to be that there are. But so uh, you're taking it on authority. No, I'm not taking it on authority. I'm not questioning the expert. I'm not pretending to know more than the experts. You're not saying I don't that's actually. Correct? No, I'm not saying. I don't say that I know that two plus two we can equal five under any higher value of five or whatever the fuck he's talking about. I don't know. You don't know. But I'm not right. So I'm not saying that I do know. Okay. So you don't know that two plus two cannot equal to five. I don't know that, no. You don't? No, that's what I said 30 minutes ago when I said I don't know of a necessary truth and this was the reason I gave. Have you noticed we do a lot of spinning in the mud where I have to I know, keep re-explaining things did. to you again? We did. Like 15 times and you still and don't I get it? And I'm sure that's you. because I'm stupid, right? The reason well, I have to maybe, keep Well, you're the guy that thinks 2 plus 2 can equal 5. So maybe, I don't maybe, think that. And I don't think so. I'm the one who corrected you multiple times to say I don't think that. Okay, but you don't know that it can. But I don't know that it can. And I'm not going to exactly. pretend to know things I don't, like the faithful do. Okay, so anybody, just for what you're saying, anybody who claims that they know that 2 plus 2 cannot equal to 5 is faith. That's your claim? No, of course not. That, that's something that's based on evidence. Faith is a, is a firm conviction that is not based on evidence. So if I say that 2 plus 2 cannot equal to 5, do I have faith in that? If you, it? If you have evidence to imply that it cannot equal to five. And you would be justified because the level of your understanding would say, unless you're some higher mathematician, and I don't even know that that's true. I've only heard from two mathematicians talking what I think sounds like bollocks. I don't know what they're saying is true. I'm not going to, I'm not going to challenge the experts in their own field. I know better than that. 
But I know better than to use that as an example of a necessary truth as you define it. Because well, not even that, through. not even as clear as that seemed to be. Did it seem clear, everybody? So plus there, two equals four, would that be a necessary? You'd think, right? And then somebody hits me, well, maybe. Fuck! So, so I don't know of a single example. You don't know of an example, but you're also not claiming that there is no example. No, I'm not. I don't, I'm not pretending to know things I don't know. Yeah, so you're, saying you're agnostic on it. You don't know one way or another. Fine. I'm, I don't know. If, if what you mean by agnostic is that I don't know and I'm not going to say I that I know. Because Huxley defined the agnostic precisely as that one should not pretend to know things they don't know. And in that sense, absolutely, yes. I don't know that 2 plus 2 equals 5 or 2 plus 2 equals 4 is a necessary truth because... It may not be, so far as I know by the experts. So there's a possibility that maybe it isn't. So I can't state that. If I state it and I don't know it and I haven't verified it, so I can't know it, then that would be a falsehood. And even if it turned out that my guess was correct, it would still be false for me to pretend to know what I don't. Right. So in simple terms, Aaron Ra has just admitted that he cannot know that two plus two cannot equal five. Yeah. I mean, this. I, I did. I did state that if given the explanation that these mathematicians give, that I don't have any understanding about at all, I'm not going to challenge them on it. Correct. I think the time's up, James, at least on my end. I don't know. Yeah, what I call there, what we'll do is we'll go to the four minute closing statements. Jake, the floor is yours. Okay, one second. Let me just reset my camera here. Okay, so guys, uh, I hope that this was of some benefit to the people in the audience. Aaron doesn't seem to think so. I think that I demonstrated that he contradicted himself numerous times throughout the debate. He's going to make his closing statement and try to refute that when he claims that there are truths that exist that have not been discovered yet, and then says that truth depends on the sentences being uttered that's contradictory. And the fact that you cannot see that, sir, is probably the same reason why you cannot see that two plus two cannot equal to five. I don't care how many mathematicians told you that. They need to get their head examined in the same way that you think everybody that has faith maybe needs to get their head examined. But what I tried to point out earlier, right, and this is why, because Aaron consistently makes his claims all the time. Well, if people have faith, faith is the most dishonest position possible. Well, can't you stand and reason and think, well, maybe the person has faith, right? But they're not being dishonest, and it's not a dishonest position, right? They claim to know, and you can think that they're wrong, even though they don't think that they are. I can think that Arn Ra is out of his mind, which I really do at this point, by thinking that 2 plus 2 does not have to equal to 4. But at the same time, I don't think he's being dishonest. I think he believes whatever he's saying when he says that, no matter how ridiculous it seems to me. And I just wish he would afford the same thing, that when I say that I think that 2 plus 2 equals 4, and I know it, and it cannot be 5, that I don't have faith in that, that I know that it's true. I don't care how many mathematicians you can pull from out of your hat or wherever it is. I don't care how many tell me that. I don't believe what they're saying. And I would be happy if James can, maybe we'll have to do that for the next debate, James. We got to get a mathematician here to debate whether or not two plus two must equal to four. I'm happy to do that. And maybe Arn would be happy to watch it. I don't know. Maybe he'd think it would be ridiculous. But anyway, I attempted to, at the very least, 
present evidence, yes, evidence for the existence of God. I gave a particular argument from necessary truth. Unfortunately, we got bogged down in definitions about what truth is, what necessity is, the distinction between truth makers and truth bearers. Aaron agrees with me that there's a distinction between things that exist, right? Like this black microphone. There's a distinction between things that exist, which are what the facts are, the verifiable empirical data, and truth, which is independent of those things, right? Now, on the one hand, he says that, well, truth is independent in the sense that there are truths that have not been discovered yet. Well, then where the hell are they? I mean, is there like truth in a cloud out somewhere and it's written in the stars or something like that? What is this truth that is being looked for? He calls himself a truth seeker and goes on about truth, but he cannot even define what truth is. He didn't even know what necessary in this context was, if necessary truth was. And my argument, and yes, I gave only one argument. Why? because I knew we would get bogged down in the argument, and I don't want to be like some of the other apologists come up here and give 10 different arguments and then expect that Aaron is going to reply to all of them. No, I don't really think that's fair. I think at the very least, we should try to keep it succinct and limit it to a few arguments. Now, I limited it to one. Aaron contradicted himself numerous times, as I pointed out. He says that, well, there are he doesn't know if there are any necessary truths. For, for him, he doesn't know if the law of non-contradiction holds universally. So why can't it be the case that God exists and also God does not exist? Well, that's contradictory. Well, it could be a true contradiction because the law of non-contradiction doesn't hold universally. Anyway, I think my time's up. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, James. We'll kick in our end for his four minutes. Reality, which logically means that he does not exist in reality. So is that a contradiction or not? No, that's a consistency. Jake says that he knows more about math than any mathematician, and somehow he doesn't understand why it is dishonest to pretend to know more than he does, which was a key part of our argument. What he failed to do was present even one objectively verifiable fact that positively indicates his God. All he did do was hand wave away utterly dismiss without consideration any and all of the evidence that was, lies contrary to his position, which again is what faith does. Yet he thinks, it, he, uh, he thinks that his inability to understand when I gave clear and consistent definitions for my terms, including truth, that he kept trying to distort and pervert, and I had to go back and correct him again and again and again. He thinks that his inability to get that right is somehow my problem. And then getting back to the factual matter, the holy doctrines of the various religions remain the only source of information of who or what God is supposed to be, and they violently contradict each other. This is another fact against God. Each of these tomes is individually full of absurdities and atrocities, inconsistencies and contradictions, so that none of the authors of these myths and legends actually knows what they're talking about. Nearly anything any of the scriptures says falls into one of two categories. It's either not evidently true, meaning that there's no evidence for it, or it's evidently not true, meaning it's already been shown to be false. The fact that the Bible and Quran and all of the rest of this man-made mythology even exists in such defective, conflicting condition is evidence against God, who should have corrected all that. And despite all attempts at philosophical rationalization, there is no actual factual evidence of God outside of Scripture either, literally not even a possibility to consider. 
The claim that uh, an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving creator God exists is logically inconsistent and paradoxical due to the presence of suffering in the world, in a world that is, as Darwin described it, red in tooth and claw. The persistent existence of such a level of suffering throughout the Earth's history, as well as the extent of that history, remains in conflict with the attributes attributed to such a God. Moreover, Considering the lack of logically coherent, verifiable evidence for the existence of the Abrahamic God specifically, it is reasonable to conclude that the claims of such deity are just a myth. It is essential to adhere to the fundamental principles of logic, which necessitate evidence and demonstrability when affirming the truth of a claim. Holding an absolute positive belief in anything, let alone something that lacks reliably verifiable truth, proof rather, violates these principles. Rendering the claim of an Abrahamic God is not only a myth, but a baseless speculation, having no more credence than a claim that has already been proven false. Very often, believers may, may already know that there's no evidence of God or anything supernatural, but they're determined to make believing it anyway for reasons that don't qualify as reason. So they have to find a way to shift the burden of proof onto the negative claim or to onto someone who doesn't believe in their unsupported assertions of illogical, irrational, impossible absurdity. I mean, it should be that if you make a claim, you have to substantiate it or be dismissed and discredited for stating falsehoods. But faith is the most dishonest position it is possible to have, because claiming facts that aren't facts and pretending to know things you don't know is what faith is all about. But in every other application, we would call that lying. The only way that faith could be any less honest or any more dishonest is if you're a religious apologist. Asserting speculation without reason and defending it against all reason is what apologetics is all about, making up any and all excuses to justify doctrinal errors and or to systematically dismiss or ignore any and all evidence against an a priori belief, to defend the faith even in those instances where you know it's not true. So they resort to an appeal to ignorance, as if they can assert whatever they want without any justification at all. We saw that tonight, and they think that they can refer to such lies as the absolute truth until or unless we can prove it false. Then apologists will still call it truth, even after it's been thoroughly disproved, because faith means never admitting when you're wrong. Because of one of the problems with a faith-based belief system is that there are required beliefs and prohibited beliefs, where you're forbidden to admit certain truths that that may call the faith into, into question, because you have to believe a particular interpretation of doctrine no matter what, or else face the empty threat of eternal damnation. Additionally, there's usually an emotional attachment to certain faith beliefs, an often culturally conditioned, deep-seated need to believe that overrides our natural desire to understand. In either case, it means that the believer has, come up with, has to come up with some excuse, has to, any excuse to keep on believing even when they know it's not true, as has happened a few times. People have admitted to me that they know it's not true, but they're going to believe it anyway. So they make up arguments of uh, arguments instead of evidence, arguments that all require specific assumptions and typically depend on false dichotomy, where only two options are allowed and no others may be admitted, because the goal is not to seek the truth, but to avoid uncomfortable truths in defense of the faith. My problem is, and this is sincere, this is my problem, I can't relate to this. I can't choose to believe whatever I want to, especially when it's apparently indefensible, when there is no truth to it. The difference in our positions is that I want to know whatever the truth is, regardless what I might rather believe, whereas the faithful just want to believe whatever they want to, regardless what the truth is. Judging by several admissions I've heard, these so-called true believers apparently don't even care what the truth is. They want to make believe something else instead. 
Chris will be the MC for the Q&A. So, Chris, thanks so much. And if you just speak into the green light there, I'm Bring her in front of the camera. Hey guys, there's a little preamble, but I'll make it quick. The topic isn't, can I frame a question that Aaron can't answer or what doesn't Aaron know? It's, is the evidence for or against God? So for clarity, features of reality are the actual. They are not true. Sentences express a concept. Neither the sentence nor the concept is true. Truth exists only in the comparison or evaluation between the actual and the concept. Your concept of the sentence 2 plus 2 equals 5 might not match another person's concept of that statement. If the concept accurately represents the actual, we evaluate that as true. As a truth seeker, I seek accurate concepts about the actual. I'm seeking to gain concepts of reality that evaluate as true. The facts of reality aren't truth. They are the actual. And truth doesn't exist, in quotes, until there's a concept for comparison. The measure of truth, or how the concept compares to the actual facts. So your previous attempt is to claim that truth exists without a concept. But now that I've actually rejected that, no concept, no statement, the truth exists only in the comparison between the two of them, I will rephrase the question you were asked multiple times during the debate. What is the objectively verifiable fact that confirms the God concept that you expressed is actually correct? Yeah, so you misrepresented me when you said that I think that um, truths can exist apart from concepts. No, in fact, what I've argued is that truths are mental entities. So I don't know why, maybe it was because we got bogged down in other parts of that stuff. But it seemed like it seemed like you didn't understand that. I'm sorry that you're upset, sir. I don't know. I said I'm just not a fucking idiot. Um, okay. Maybe you're not an idiot, but maybe you can't hear very well because I never denied that truth. What? It, I never, I never denied. Stop. Well, maybe I can. Well, Matt, maybe I can actually correct you first on your lie. I don't think so. Statement. Oh, you know what because you just just claimed what I said about truth that was not true. When Aaron asked you for your objective fact to prove God, you said that's the second. That's your second. Gonna allow me to search. You can go back to your seat and sit down. You can. You can go back and sit down because I'm going to finish responding. I'm going to finish responding to your question, sir. This is not a debate. This is not a debate. This is not a debate if you were quiet for a section. You do because maybe you don't want a response. I apologize. Maybe you don't want a response. You are absolutely correct. I should sit down and be quiet. This is your debate. If you don't want to be objective fact, I am, but you're not allowing me to get to it. I am, but you're not allowing me to get to it. Okay, you're making it a second debate. You're making it a second debate. What you can do, what you can do is you can sit down, you can sit down and be quiet. You can sit down and be quiet. Okay, go ahead and sit down. Go and sit down. Go and sit down. Go and sit down. Yeah, but he's still trying to talk when I'm trying to give my answer. 
Anyway, so I was trying to correct the first part of your, what you said, your preamble, which was a misstatement, or I claim that it's a lie, because you claimed that I believed that truth was somehow independent of any concept. No, I never claimed that, sir. That's what you said. In fact, in fact, what I said was that truth is a mental entity, right? So that's fully compatible with it being conceptual. I never said anything about truth existing apart from concepts whatsoever. I never made that claim. Now, what's the verifiable data? Well, I was trying to present it, and it's the fact that truths exist, that true propositions exist, and that at least one necessary truth exists, which because necessary truths and truths in general are mental entities, that's going to entail the existence of a necessary mind. Now, Matt, I know you're sitting down just wrapping this up. If you'd like to debate the topic, we could do it another time. I have no problem with it. And then you can speak as much as you want. Tell me how much you don't like me. Go ahead. Clarify, just in common verbiage. As I mentioned before that philosophers often use definitions, have different definitions than common parlance. When you, tell, when you say something and the statement is true, we can verify that it is true. When people ask or challenge, or maybe defend. He's telling the truth. So that is the context that I've been using this whole time. Thank you. I'm uh, uh, glad to admit that I am probably the only idiot here. Uh, my question is to Jake. Jake, uh, it looked like you tried to present an evidence in almost seven pages. I am sorry to admit that I did not get the evidence. Maybe it was because it was too long, so I could not hold my attention. Is there any way to express your evidence in three, four, five sentences, 30 seconds? Is, is there a way that common people like I can understand, and still it will be long like seven pages? Possible? Um, Yes, I mean, I think you mean seven premises, not seven pages. Um, but yeah, simply what I what I tried to sum up in my response to Matt was my argument is an argument from necessary truth. Okay, I'm making the claim that truth exists; it's an actual existent thing. Okay, not that it's independent of any concept or anything like that, but it's actually a real thing. Okay, and that necessary truths exist. Truths are mental entities, okay? And I gave an argument to explain why they're mental entities, because they have certain features. Yeah, they, they have certain features, one of them being intentionality, which is that they are about other things, which are the same sorts of things that mental entities have. Okay, so I'm making the claim that truth is a mental entity, it's a type of mental entity or thought, and that if you have a necessary truth, you need the existence of a necessary mind or intellect in order to ground that. Otherwise, you cannot account. I'm explaining it to you, it's very simple. If, you if all human thoughts and all thoughts besides God's thoughts or mental entities... You don't involve, you're trying to prove what you don't involve what happens. No, I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm trying... You asked me to explain my argument. I'm not trying to prove it now. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying, you asked me what's the, the gap between. It's that all human beings and all human thoughts are contingent. 
Therefore, they are not the type of thing that could qualify as necessary truths because they don't exist necessarily. If necessary truth exists, then it has to exist in something that is necessary. So, 2 plus 2, therefore God. Well, you don't even believe 2 plus 2 equals 4 necessarily, so what's the difference? Oh, I, I fully accept that normally 2 plus 2 would be 4, yes. But but there's no way that you can that you can jump to two plus two equals four. Therefore, God. Well, that's the debate. And there was no fact given. Anybody hear a fact in there? Okay. Sorry, I'll try to answer shorter. Hi there. As a, a former Methodist, I I attend these debates to see if there's a reason that I should start believing in that God or what specific God. And it's, it's frustrating because every time um, someone gives an argument, it feels like it's not evidence that they're playing philosophy word games and defining truth. And it's like all other truths in the world that I know of can be demonstrated with experiments or discoveries to show something is true. It's not just words or scripture that's true. It's what they represent. And I'm wondering if there's any evidence you have that can be demonstrated in science not not philosophy or webster dictionaries just yeah there are other arguments that uh, i could have presented and i've presented in other venues uh that focus more on what you would consider tangible science and, and things of that sort uh, certainly there are arguments, but I didn't present a scientific argument. I presented a philosophical argument for the existence of God. But of course, the purpose of the debate was to present evidence, not arguments. Yeah, and a philosophical argument can be evidence. That's the point. Not on a scientific topic. It's not scientific. Like the previous questioner, um, I'm trying to understand your argument because perhaps you have some kind of, of evidence that I'm unaware of, but I'm having a little trouble understanding your argument. Um, so I'm paraphrasing here. Is your argument that because there, that reality exists, then it's necessary that a mind existed that created it. Is that is that where we're going here? Uh, no, uh, I'm to, to sum it up. I mean, I try to sum it up a different way. Uh, that truth is dependent on minds, and that if you have a necessary truth, it has to be dependent on a necessary mind. That's the simplest way I can state it. Okay. Like, which it doesn't, but the false assumption well, you don't think you don't know if they exist or not, so you don't know, doesn't matter. You're making a leap that's unjustified. Okay, so is there evidence for God? Your evidence is because there's there's uh, e plus minds. two, therefore, God. No, there's minds that there's a necessary mind that that created that. No, because truth exists and truth is a mental entity, and necessary truths exist, then you need a necessary mind. But, okay, but you didn't give any evidence. Like, even if there were a necessary mind, what is your demonstrable evidence that it was a god? I appreciate the question, ma'am. 
my evidence again was the existence of truths the existence of at least one necessary truth which then would entail the existence of a necessary mind except I that gave it doesn't arguments i gave arguments and evidence for the existence he of gave truth. no evidence let me, let me finish sir you're gonna get your turn don't worry okay i gave an argument and evidence for the existence of truths and necessary truths now go ahead well you, you didn't give either one what you did was you wanted to assume, just like when if there's a necessary being and it's dead, unconscious material, that somehow magically transforms in your mind into an immaterial living consciousness. Same thing. Two plus two equals four. Therefore, God. That was your, your that was that was your leap. It's completely unjustified. It, you did you presented never at any time an objectively verifiable fact supporting your position. You've had three people come up in the Q and A so far. All of them have asked you the same question. What is your evidence? Obviously, at this point, even you should have figured out you haven't given any. I have given it. Then why the hell does nobody know about it? Probably for the same re probably for the same reason that you don't know that two plus two can't equal five. All right, next question. So my question is to Aaron. Is it true Aaron. that Aaron? Sorry. sorry. Is it true that harming others is wrong? If so, could you provide the empirical evidence for that? Yes, it's our, it's our evolution as a social species. Globally, it doesn't matter what society you're in. We all understand that if, that if I walk up to somebody just unprovoked and I unnecessarily cause them damage, an unprovoked attack, everybody, everywhere, every community, all time, it's objectively verifiable that, that a physical attack on somebody without the necessity to do so is wrong. That's objective morality. How, how can you prove, like, what is... If you're because we're, because we're a social species? Okay. No. Because we're a social species, and so we depend on society. No man is an island. Have you ever heard that term? Have you ever, have you ever heard the term, no man is an island? What phrase? Okay, so if I, like, had amassed power over, you know, let's say... The okay, never mind. You're, you're, you're missing the point. Right. Uh, the, the point is, is that, uh, is that we depend on society. We're a social species. And society, in turn, although it seems to be an abstract concept, also depends on us to, pro to uh, um, so cohabitate productively. Society? So society, and I mean global society, so just whatever. Harm others, but still run society, would that still be wrong? The community in which we live, whether it's local or it's global, doesn't matter. Society depends on us to cohabitate productively. So what ends up happening well, what is... What if it didn't? What if we could create a Oh, what if reality wasn't real? So what if I could create a society where I could subjugate a group of people and do that successfully? Then you're going to have to come up with a bullshit excuse to justify your inhumanity, which people have done. Well, they usually, the reason it, that I'm trying to explain, you keep interrupting the answer to keep asking the question. Maybe if you just let the answer happen, you'd get it. So society depends on us to cohabitate productively. Now, in order to do that, if you are selfish, if you are, if you are uh, apathetic, then you are eventually going to be eliminated as a, pro as a issue of population mechanics. You're going to be eliminated from society either be by being banished, imprisoned, or killed. Whereas the guy who shows the empathy for his family, friends, and fellows, who can be relied upon, who stands by his word, and people know that they can trust him, again, mathematically over the course of population mechanics, that person is going to be favored. That person is going to be more productive. They're going to be more, so uh, uh, more socially acceptable, be granted more power and wealth, will produce better and more. So that what ends up happening over the course of many generations is that we have people who develop empathy far more than any of the other apes do. So that was the thing that gave us strength, was our ability. The result is what's wrong, not the action. 
So if I could, what? If I could successfully overcome so many other questions, that I think you have to. Okay, no, said nothing remotely like that at all. But it, it's, it's obvious when you ask the question, you were trying to find fault, not an answer. Yeah, can I just respond for 10 seconds, James? Just literally yeah, 10 seconds. You just didn't understand. You're too dumb to understand, just like the other people didn't understand. Yeah, that's his words, Yeah, not mine. It's, it's sarcastic. Okay. Yeah, because that's question. not at all what I said. All right, on to the next question. Thank you. We've all been waiting to hear what evidence you have for a God. I'd be curious to see what your definition of evidence is and if you believe that you've presented anything that actually touches evidence for a God. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same question again, which I already the answered. Funny that. The definition, that is. The, definition, the definition I gave, if you were listening in the presentation. Oh, see, it's okay. because you're too stupid. No, because because that's what you're saying to this gentleman here. That's you're not what I said. Maybe you said you, stupid, you said that he didn't want to listen to your answer. I made an observation that was not what you said. Exactly. That's the same thing. Which is completely I, different. I, that's not. Let me put it on the screen here. Okay, very quickly. I said, and I quote, I take evidence for a hypothesis to be that which raises the probability of a given theory to be true. And I take evidence against hypothesis to be that which lowers the probability of so I did define what evidence is, and Arn himself didn't give it verbatim the same thing, but it was similar. Evidence, the available body of facts or information indicating whether a belief or proposition is true or valid. What kiss? That's what we got out of you. Sure. All right, next question. Hello, Arn. Uh, as an atheist, I find myself in the scale of Richard Dawkins as a 6.9. Meaning... Seven. That's my question. So yeah. I don't affirm that there's no God. I yeah, God is not even God. possible. So what evidence do you have for that? I, I believe I already expressed it. You didn't it. see it. He presented it all night. Where were you? If, if it, God is not even a possibility, as I explained, we don't even have a possibility to consider. We have science considers what is supported, what is not supported. Where was the support for God? He was supposed to present it. So we are left wanting. That's not evidence against God. Uh, no, it, but it's not evidence for God, is there? And that's all that matters. It. I presented it. We, that nobody saw. No. Plenty of people saw it. Where are you? Well, we can we can look on the live stream and see what all the people say. Okay. Yeah. But they're not in this room. I do have a follow-up. So I do believe that with an the universe, we cannot know everything. Right. So I know that there's no evidence for God. We cannot claim that there's none. Yeah, I, I didn't, again, it's what is supported and what is not. What is the evidence for God? We don't have any. We have evidence against God. We have nothing for God. Therefore, we have no choice but to conclude there evidently is no God. Next question. Okay, my, my question is for Jake. Uh, you believe that everything is contingent of a God, right? Everything other than God is dependent upon God, yeah. Okay, why? Why? Why and how? Uh, because I believe God created everything. How is that evidence? I didn't say that was evidence. Yeah. You asked me why. So, you asked so me. Do you have evidence for it? What? Take five. Okay. Anything else to that? Thank you very much. You asked me why do I believe it? It's, it's definitional. No. I love that kid. <laughs> All right, we're going to move to the next question. Step up a little bit. All right. My question is for Jake. You, my, I understand your premise says there's truth outside of 
people's stances and before they can figure it out, you know, it's true. How do you reconcile the fact that what you consider to be truth without evidence may not be true? Uh, what I consider to be truth without evidence may not be true. I don't understand. Can you clarify? So you, you, you stated that your stance, your position, is that truth exists outside of humans, right? So if you come across something that's not true, how do you reconcile that? It's not true. Like, what oh, if, you know, for example, like your God is not true. You can't prove that it is. But you well, can't I prove it is not. How do you reconcile that? Uh, you I reconcile, reconcile the lack it, of knowledge. I, I reconcile it by demonstrating, as I think I have, and today in other places, that God does exist. And I do believe that truth, when we, as I explained earlier, is dependent on what the facts are, as Arn keeps repeating. That's not a difference of opinion. But that doesn't mean that truth is identical to the microphone, because we don't say that that's true. Okay, next question. Hi, uh, my question is for both speakers. Um, aside from a god or gods, can you think of anything that exists that people have to argue for the existence of using philosophy? God is kind of unique in that category, isn't he? I can answer, yeah, plenty of things. Uh, we can talk about mathematics. Uh, logic, as the gentleman just asked, morality. There are plenty of things that people argue in philosophy that has nothing to do with God. Does mathematics exist in the same way that God exists? Yes. Okay. Okay, next question. They're both necessary. Okay. Yeah, so um, I had a question about, uh, I guess for Jake and Aaron, please, if you can pipe in there. Um. You said that um, I, I understand. I understand the argument that you presented tonight, Jake. Um, I guess uh, maybe I might be the only one, it appears, that truth exists outside of our minds. Kind of tapping on people have been saying. So my question is: Is are all thoughts from humans the same as the thoughts that God has? You, is he done? As a qualifier, there's there's, there's a, a little extra to it. No, God has thoughts that we don't have. Sure. But are those thoughts, is the, the idea of God thought the same as a human thought? Are they the same thing? Uh, no, they're not identical, no. So then why are they contingent upon the same thing? Why are they both contingent upon a mind? What do you mean, sorry? Why is, if they're not the same thing, then why are they both contingent upon the same things, i.e. the existence of a mind? Well, because I can have multiple thoughts that are contingent upon my mind, and the, those thoughts are not the same. Just as God can have, uh, God can be a mind that knows things such as truths, and he can know many truths that I also know, and yet my thoughts are not his thoughts. So they're not identical in that way. If they're the same, if they're the same, if they're both are the same thing, God thought... But, same thing, they're both contingent upon a mind. God's thoughts are dependent on God's mind. Our thoughts are contingent upon our minds. Yeah. But they're not the same, but they're contingent upon the same thing, which is... Because they're the both related a to a mind. Yeah. Okay, they're both related to a mind. But the difference is that God is necessary, so he's a type of being that can ground necessary propositions. Human beings are contingent, so they don't fulfill that role. Yeah. God is not necessary. He's imaginary. 
Hi, uh, my question is for uh, Aaron. 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 Sorry. By the way, I, I tried to call you Aaron the whole time. I yeah. think you could at least give me that. I mean, uh, Aaron, so I appreciate it seems, that. Yeah. Okay. You have no idea how old this gets. <laughs> so, Aaron, uh, it seems from the debate here and other debates I've seen of yours, and it seems like your, your general position on what evidence entails seems to be empirical scientific evidence. Yeah. Uh, my question for you is, how do you justify asking for empirical scientific evidence for something that is, by its very nature, non-empirical and outside the scope of science? Because it, everything, every example I gave uh, would be different if there was a God. All of the holy books, all, all telling contradictory things, all claiming to be the absolute truth and the revealed word, oh, even that's... though they, they're mutually exclusive and violently conflicting. And when they're full of falsehoods, then the absolute truth of the Bible is no better than the absolute truth of the Quran when they're both demonstrably wrong. That's not what I asked. I'm, I'm asking why right, you so ask for empirical... Because the whole time you've been asking, Jake, right. give me demonstrable empirical scientific evidence. Right. So Why are you example, asking for scientific empirical evidence for something for an that would that, be that empirically verifiable? Not empirical which, not but is, is empirically verifiable. Either we uh, either there is a God and there's an afterlife, meaning that we have to have souls, or we conclude that we don't have souls. I realize this doesn't apply so much with Islam because Islam imagines that we're all going to be reanimated corpses that all have to eat food in hell. But there, there's still the supernatural aspect for which there is zero support for anything supernatural at all. That includes miracles, effectively the same thing as magic. They have the same. They have essentially the same definition. So all we have, it, we have the, 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 the support for God. We have a handful of books that are all wrong about everything. And then we have theologians, past and present, all over the place, who all contradict each other and make statements we can prove to be false. So we don't have any evidence for God at all, but we do have quite a lot that I listed, and I can go back over it with you, for things that are inconsistent with God. So facts that actually contradict the notion of there being God. Why don't faith healers work in hospitals? How come a faith healer has never healed an amputee? If there was a God, these things would happen. If magic existed, you would have people like Hermione and Gandalf and Obi-Wan and Spock who would be able to demonstrate this ability reliably. We don't have that because that's just another fact that is against God. Nothing for God, plenty against. And these are all empirical because of course they would be. If there was a God, these facts would be different. Well, look, I, I just don't think you're answering my question. Things like faith healers, things, all these problems we have mm -hmm. in Scripture, they don't really, they're not really relevant to whether this uh, non-empirical entity exists or not. Except that he is, is empirical. You, you seem to be assuming that there must be some empirical evidence for something about that by its very right. nature is not empirical. And Except I, I think that that's, that's where you're going. Every, every time that God reaches his, his uh, ethereal hand into the prime material plane to affect any change in nature, he's going to pull his arm out dripping with physics. He's going to leave some residue of himself. We will have indications when miracles happen. When, you know, if, if, if in, the, in the Twin Towers attack, you know, if the plane stopped 10 feet short of the building and just stood there in space and then was slowly lowered gently down, I would think, yeah, you know what, that, that's a something. That, we, we can look at that. But, and that, that would be empirical, right? Empirical for God. But we don't have telepathy. We don't have telekinesis. We don't have teleportation. We don't have any anything that would be consistent with the God. All we have are things that are contradicting God. So this uh, question is definitely for both speakers. Um, and I apologize, Aaron, if it sounds like I'm trying to smuggle in uh, a presupposition. I do admit that, um, definitely. 
would the existence of a necessary mind depend upon it also having an effect on the material universe? I think you already answered that, but I would love to uh, hear a bit more about it. If there was a necessary mind, if, if, if we were a dream in the, in the mind of Brahma. So presupposing that it could exist. Okay, over if, we, that if whole... we presuppose the possibility that reality isn't real, that we're all figments of some god's imagination, then in that reality, there would, would be a necessary mind. Would the existence of a necessary mind depend upon it also having an effect on the material universe? Well, that's, that's the instance in which it would. If we were, as the, the Zen Buddhists or whoever it was that, that put this, I forget, um, when they, obviously not Buddhists, but when they assert that we are, a, we're just imaginary beings created as a dream of Brahma and that when, when Brahma wakes up, we all cease to exist, that by definition would make Brahma a necessary mind. Okay, next question. All right, question for Aaron. Um, I had a different question, but you mentioned 9-11, so I'll, I'll use that as a jumping off. Is it a moral failing for a lay person to hold an opinion and act as if that opinion is true that contradicts the experts. No. As I said, you're welcome to believe... You're talking about experts. You're welcome to believe whatever you want, as long as you express that it is a belief. When you express it as a fact, when you can't show that it's a fact, then it becomes dishonest. So, but following the experts, are we obligated as lay people to follow the experts? No. When they, uh, so we're allowed to contradict them, and that's fine. As Carl Sagan said, arguments from authority are worthless. There are no authorities in science. Question them all you like. All right. Building seven. Thank you. Next question. Anybody see my eyes roll under these shades? No, this might be a little funny, but uh, are arguments evidence? Both participants. Uh, the definition I just read was a body of facts. Yes, sir. Meaning Jake. objectively verifiable data. Jake. Are arguments evidence? If you have evidence for the premises in arguments, yes. Why didn't you? I did. I gave them. You had an assumption. Two plus two, no, therefore I gave God. Them. I gave them. And it was, you didn't like them. It was erroneous. It made no sense. And it wasn't justified. So, Jake, you said that um, arguments can be evidence if you have like facts or evidence, evidence behind them. So what, what's the evidence that you have behind the argument that God exists? I already gave it. If you didn't get it, sorry to tell you. It was just arguments. Yeah, I gave it already. You're asking the same question. I mean, there's no like physical evidence that you've been able to present. It's all just been... Your assumption thing, is that I need physical evidence. Do you have an argument for that? Yes, Do you have evidence facts. for that? Well, so we need evidence to prove that anything Is that exists. a scientific claim or a philosophical one? It's, um, I would say it's scientific. No, it's philosophical. It's a philosophical claim, and yet you think that I need evidence, yet you're up here asking a question which assumes a philosophical principle which you don't have scientific evidence for. So the idea that Thank you two very plus much, two sir. equals four nice somehow requiring a magical mystical Science mind. Science assumes many things that it can't prove, like but it doesn't assume like this. logic, it doesn't and assume all this. of the other things that go So with. evidence is objectively verifiable with data. That, I, do, I, do, I hate to do this to you guys, but just yeah, because we do have to wrap up. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.